Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Ah, those beautiful dancing violins. What a treat for my ears. Hopefully for yours as well. Heroes of the Realms. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite by try sometimes monthly podcast about Hero Realms, one of your favorite deck building games from Wise Wizard Games. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Jigmalinkba Rooks. And ladies and gents, do we have a special episode for you today? Uh, we have a special guest, but before we get there, I just really quickly want to go through our cast intros. Um, I'm going to start out with my right-handed, left-hand man, Tim, Agent C13 McKenzie, the circlet of flowers to my um, one of the new monk things that I can't <laughs> name right now. Um, how are we doing today, buddy? Glad glad to have you with us. I'm I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. You know, if we said this was like a a a, a biannual podcast, then every time we put one out, people would be happy because we're over uh, producing and under promising. So under over producing and under promising. <laughs> if we say biweekly, people are like, "Man, I didn't get one every two weeks." But if we say, you know, like every six months, you get a podcast, and then we put one out. Every month, we're ahead of schedule. Biannual. That'd be scary. Uh, Biannual episodes of Sparks and Rec would be like 40 (laughs) hours long. It would be. They would. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't want to edit that. No, no. Uh, By the way, um, we are also trying a new experiment today. We are recording in video as we do this. Uh, And we're going to see how it it works. Maybe we're going to throw this up on our Sparks and Rec YouTube. Maybe we'll just do it for our patrons. We don't know. We're flying by the seat of our pants. That's how we do it here at Sparks and Rec. Um, Up next, we have um, a solo artist himself. Um, He is... Wild, wide, wildly renowned as perhaps the most famous solo artist. Where's um, my intro he's music? Relaxed. Um, he never stresses out. He's ritualistic with the way he goes. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, that didn't work well. You're supposed to go hey 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 at the end of that. Hey hey hey! Sorry, I was too busy laughing. I just like the oh, the lead in was um, was very loud, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, I can loud. hear you." And it all got me. It all got me going. But needless to say, I am thrilled to be here tonight. Excited to do the podcast as always. I'm always like, I got these long days, man. We all got long days, and I'm like, you know, leading up to the podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really tired. Am I? But then I get here, and I'm feeling the energy. I'm feeling the vibes. So that's right. <laughs> Let's, let's get it. Let's get into it, baby. He yeah. was he was feeling the vibe so much the dancing violins came right back out again and, and started vibing right. with you. Um, forgive a few technical um, uh, challenges we're experiencing right now. Like I said, we're doing this video live and we're trying to experiment with some audio as we do this. Uh, 
and the early in the indicators are, are pointing that it could be a disaster, but we'll, we'll see how yeah. it goes. G- give um, Matt a soundboard and you're got a recipe for chaos here. It is, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll rein in that chaos and produce a beautiful, a diamond of an episode for you guys. Um, you may have heard another voice laughing in the distance guys. That's right. We do have a special guest with us today. Not only a special guest, uh, a legend in his own right. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you Corey, Corey Bear 88 Thomas, who is joining us specially for this episode. Thank you for joining us today, amigo. Woo! Gentlemen, it's an honor and a privilege. Thanks for having me. So cool to have you here. Uh, we've been reaching out and trying to get some of our, um, you know, s- s- you know, community members community who members. are yeah, really active, really <laughs> good players, and also uh, patrons also help as well. Corey Bear fits the bill, and he stepped up and said, hey, guys, I'd, I'd love to make an appearance. And here he is. And we've got quite an episode in store for you indeed. Uh, before we do that, though, Timmy, you want to give a quick shout out to our friends, donors, and patrons of the cast? Uh, yes. I just want to say thank you to all our donors and patrons. Um, they're, the recording software and stuff that we use, uh, we had a free account, and they – we were grandfathered in that we could do a bunch of stuff. Well, they nixed that. So there's some expenses there. You guys help cover all of that stuff for us as well as keeping hero helper up and going. And then we're, we're looking at some stuff to uh, give back with some of these patron donations as well. So uh, none of us guys take any of this money home or anything. We, we love donating our time and we want to give back to the community and you guys help us do that. So we really appreciate that. Well, well said, said yeah, sir. Yeah, we do. Time is one thing that we have given a lot of to this <laughs> gaming community, but not not that we're complaining about it. We do because we love it. Um, Double Doves, how about a quick overview of the episode today? Well, you know we got to be talking about what would you do. We're going to transition from there into a brief mailbag, and then we've got a main focus a bit of an interstellar intersection between star realms and hero realms uh, and kind of a subject that we haven't really dove into on the, you know, 42 episode long history of the cast. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Then we're going to do some card talk, really diving deep into some of the self-sacrificing cards and how you might, uh, use those effectively in your games. So that should be a fun little subcategory of cards to dive into. And then we're taking it to the classroom for HR 101. We're going to be talking about some different things like draw combinations, deck flips, and kind of analyzing some risk and kind of that as like a, a broader category. Then we're going to close things out with a community roundup and we're going to tap it and scrap it. And say our goodbyes. So that is the episode we have in store. We hope that you all enjoy it. Let's dive in. Couldn't have done it better myself. And that's why I have you do it every episode. Double dubs because you're so damn good at it. Um, Thanks. Now, for our uh, regular listeners, you may have noticed that the last couple episodes, I've been embarrassing myself with with a few (laughs) rhymes. And I figured, let's keep the streak going. And maybe if things go well, this could even be a new what would you do intro all right so thank you for entertaining let's see how it rolls guys
What would you say you do here? Well, I'm the cream filling inside your Twinkie. I'm faction and deception right into crime spree. Marvel at the way that I spit these jams. I'm a small folk wizard treasure map in hand. Or maybe Olga Fighter. No, that would be lame. I put too much pride in the thinking man's game. You know, without a lot of draw, the game gets dull. And that's why I sacrifice my silver skull. Amulet, that is, it's a hell of a god. I use it all the time to destroy the bard. When he loses to me, he sings a real sad tune. But enough out of me. What would you? You do. <laughs> what would you say you do here? What would you do? Hey, what would you do. That's went better than I expected, guys. Nice. Okay. Was well, um, with the headphones on, I hear the music really loud. It's hard to hear you, but that sounded awesome. Yeah, yeah that's in post. We'll have to bump up your audio, but that was great. Yeah, that's one thing I worry yeah. about is the. So we're using a lot of audio interjections as we record live, which I usually do in, in post-production, but the audio levels are probably going to be a lot of problems. Yeah, that's all right. But hey, that's what we do when we do the it live. The flow was great. The delivery on point. Well done, sir. Even had And, you know, I had to call it out for the audio listeners that you held up a ship in a bottle last time. Well, he didn't let us down with his use of props here either. Had the treasure map in hand, so... Yeah. Fantastic. And hopefully the video works, evidence yeah. will will record that. Um, <laughs> all right, but here we are. And what would you do? Um, Double Doves, take us away. Set set up the scene for us. Yeah. So first of all, if you have a what would you do scenario that you want us to cover on the pod, of course you can uh, DM any one of us here on the cast, and we'll cover it. Um, we've got a bit of a backlog, but we are looking for more submissions. So please don't hesitate to reach out. We're going to want to see the full board, your deck and discard, your opponent's deck and discard, along with the menu screen that shows your level and turn. So be sure to give us those details when you send it over. Uh, Looking at this one, this was a matchup of my own against Filtrophobe, and it is a level 14 Ranger Mirror. We're on turn 17, and this was actually one of our uh, King of the Castle matches that preceded my legendary 70-day reign as king. So, uh, you know, mm. with only five title defenses. It is what who it is. Who ended that reign again, Double Dubs? I forget. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. It's, that's, that's not it really important. Me. That's not what we're talking about in this specific, uh, you know. But, <laughs> okay, jokes aside, what I liked about this one, or the reason I thought it was cool, is that it's not a purchasing scenario. What we're covering here is actually like we're tracking and how are we going to handle our track here? And that means that there's kind of a lot of different routes that we can go. So um, right now we're all the way down to 16 health. Our opponent has 35 health in hand. We have the summoning stock from the shadows, rally the troops, spark with a make camp already in play. We spent some of the econ off that make camps. We've only got one econ left. We spent that in order to track. On our track, we see Humphrey Jewels, Pathfinder's Compass, Bjorn, and an Unending Quiver. Um, And then we've got a few cards left in our deck. Uh, The House Always Wins, Dark Reward, Brolin, and Gemla, the Wild Scout. So basically, um, one of the big things that you have to be looking at here is... 
are you going to be trying to push for as much damage as possible? Are you going to try to use the summoning plus stock from shadows to put something on top of your deck and then draw it? There's really like a lot of different lines you could try to take here. And that's what I felt was interesting about this one. Um, Before we get into the discord or what I would do, um, or what I did do, I wanted to send it around the table here and see if I could get you guys to weigh in. Any volunteers to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot. So th- th- this really feels like it's setting up for me. You're not going to get 35 this turn, right? So, so yeah. going for the kill shot right now is probably not the path, right? And so set yourself up to do some damage this turn, survive your opponent's next turn, and then really bring the hammer mm-hmm. after that. So, so for me, I'm I'm wanting to make sure that I use that prepare champion skill on the Bjorn. Make sure that you mm-hmm. draw that sucker. Probably put that on top of the flawless track, and then leave the quiver and the hunt for jewels in your deck for next turn. So you've got a big next turn coming. You can mm-hmm. use your dark reward next turn to scrap something before you shuffle, and then really bring the hammer there. Uh, I, I am Dub's going to come from the top rope on you and say you screwed this up. I think I would have bought the two coster, one of the two costers off the row first, just because you have so much trade left in your deck that that if you've got a big bomb that flips after that, that maybe changes what you're going to do. Mm. So that that, that the, the ship has sailed on that one, but I, I think I might have looked at that a little bit differently before interesting let's let's yeah no we can explore that a little bit more so like we we didn't talk about the row at all because like i said this is kind of like a more um tracking related one but (laughs) with the summoning you know you have some potential to get a champion directly to the top of your deck there's a trap master rien out there so part of Mm -hmm. what i was considering was putting her to the top because she has she's a five guard so there's some appeal there um, the apprentice trap maker, I think, or the wolf shaman is maybe the two costers that you're referring to there. So, um, you would have maybe bought a two coster and then used to the summoning to track or what, what would you have done there exactly? You think? Yeah. So you, you, well, you probably play the summoning, right? You can buy something you don't, I, I believe you don't have to buy it to the top of your deck, right? Correct. Right. Correct. It, it, so, so just, if you flip a bomb there, I think the total, the whole path looks different then the, the trader right now is basically trash, right? And you've right. just got so much econ left in your deck that if you flip a mm-hmm. bomb, you've got the ability to do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I like and what Dub said too about the guard. You've only got 16 health left here and Filterfoe will go for the jugular if he can. Uh-huh. Uh, you're going to have some more health after you play Rally the Troops, I guess. And you can either draw your the Bjorn. Bjorn's the, the guy who gives you – does he give you a Legionnaire? What, what does he do? Yeah, yeah. He does, yep. Legionnaire. Or he attacks for three, right? So yeah. you're probably going to want to use him to get the Legionnaire out just to give you a little bit more. To get more defense because they're defense. all guards, right? Yeah. So he's pr- even better than the, the Trap Master, right, in terms of yeah. – uh, defense that he's going to give you he's going to give yeah, you yeah especially because you're going to faction him with the rally of the troops and get two legionnaires and do it out. twice yeah so he's actually yeah. going to give you 11 defense right if you if you do it if you go straight up defense which is probably to be honest what i would do mm-hmm. uh does, yeah, does, and then, does yeah. hunt for jewels draws a card too it gives you a fire gem and draws a card yeah okay. but but i think i think i save that for the next turn when you're going to yeah. get that that uh house always wins and 
combo that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I, I was just trying to trying to see exactly think about it, and I think yeah, you'd uh, you'd put your uh, Bjorn on the top. You you sacrifice something out of your uh, discard because you probably yeah one of those golds, and then you're drawing off the summoning to get Bjorn, and then you prepare him a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, other, the other nice thing about kind of playing for a big next turn is that you can set it up where then you could track next turn and take a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that's in your discard, cycle that into your next discard, right, and thin mm-hmm. out that next deck too. Yeah, yeah totally. And, you know, there, there's a, something to be said for thinking out, all right, what if we just draw everything this turn? What would happen? Or like, What would be the pluses and minuses of it? The minus would be that if you, if you draw everything, you're going to flip your deck and freeze out all of these mm-hmm. amazing cards that you have this turn, right? And I think the main thing is you want to use them uh, once this turn, set up your next turn uh, so that your next turn is actually flipping everything in your discard, including these awesome cards that you have out this yeah. turn, right? So that's the main reason, I think, for definitely setting up a big next turn rather than just drawing mm-hmm. everything you can this turn. Well, um, to be clear, there's eight cards in our deck right now. There's the four we're looking at, and then four more. Oh, okay. I see. All right. So the flawless track. Bit. I see. So you would. Yeah. So, so so you'd have if you just take Bjorn from the summoning with the draw from that. That leaves you seven. You could even discard like your compass or something if you wanted to make it a little easier to cycle, um, and then you're going to draw off the hunt for jewels. You're going to pair up the Brolin and the Gemla. That's going to give you a draw. You're going to draw off the quiver. So you got three draws. So basically if you can make sure you have at least, you know, don't discard enough that you're uh, flipping your deck here, but you just do it enough so that you get all that stuff there. And then you, you do your track next turn. Yep. And then you're yeah. hopefully going to draw back into like your rally and your stock from the shadows or something. If you could do that, that game's pretty much in the bag. As yeah. long as Filtrophobe doesn't just Nova you on this turn. Right. But yeah, I think looks- you need to, you need to track to set yourself up for defense this turn, get a bunch of damage out and try to have a really huge turn next turn. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. And yeah. if you get your nice. 11, if you get some health from the rally, and your mm-hmm. legionnaires out, I think you're going to survive. It looks like, uh, and I didn't do the math, but just like a quick snap. So you'd be at, at 21, and if you have 11 defense, they got to do 32 damage to you. That's a Yeah, tough and I don't one. think he's got that in his deck, right? He's got a, a gift, and the he's got some you know, way in. He's got Rat Swarm to not care <laughs> about it at all. I don't know if he could draw into the Rat Swarm, though. Uh, no, that's in the discard. That's in his discard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at his deck, yeah, and it looks yeah. like he's not going to be able to get through all of that. I mean, uh, he's going to be able to track and got some draws in there and stuff in a cycle. So maybe he he'd have a chance to draw into something, but it it wouldn't be. It feels easy. low percentage. Yeah, percentage. yeah, it's a lower percentage. So I think you yeah. got a good chance if you set yourself up for defense. Yeah. But if you, yeah, and if you don't set yourself up for defense, then you become kind of like even more likely yeah. to get blasted here. So. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, good stuff, guys. Should we uh, turn it over to the Discord and see uh, what came through there? Mm-hmm. D- Dubs, okay. I will say that this is this is the grade A bottom decking on your deck there, right? That you had all, yeah. the, all the crap <laughs> on top and all the good stuff on the bottom. 
Yeah, I mean, our the hand's fine though. Like, I can't complain about it too much. But definitely, yeah, there's some good stuff on the bottom of the deck there. Um. Okay. So we had as awesome as saying scrap, place all cards in no particular order, track, drop Brolin, and the house always win. Draw Gemla with the summoning, then dark rewards. Scrap again. Don't flip your deck so that you keep as many of your good cards for the next deck cycle as possible to hope for a good hand. This only nets you 27 damage, and the opponent has potential to do lethal. So actually, swap Dark Reward for Blural Lin for the extra discard. Can uh, consider purchasing Rien for guard. And then um, I, following it up I, with that they didn't see the track hand. So yeah, little, I was going to uh, say, <laughs> when I initially looked at it, I didn't see the track. And so I had a whole different train of thought with it. So I made that same yeah. thing. But some, like, I think like we can see where as awesome as process, is kind of like yeah. going with this thought process of like prioritizing, not flipping the deck because we don't want to lose these good cards on the next yeah. shuffle. Um, looking at how much damage we're going to get to. Does the opponent have enough to get lethal? So these are all like great considerations that they're making. So I, I like that a lot. Let's take a look at what Filterphobe uh, had to say here. Remove nothing from the t- track. Set draw order to Bjorn, then everything else. Use summoning draw to get Bjorn and prepare with rally, using both instances to summon a guard. Sack of gold with stock. This sets us up for next turn and ensures we don't die before taking a turn. And then he goes into a little bit of what the next turn will look like. Um, I agree that he's got some good lines there. Check it out on the Discord if you want to get into that. As awesome, noting that I would probably use the rally to get six damage instead of guards as either your opponent draws Ratstorm and nullifies the effect of guards, or he doesn't and doesn't have lethal due to healing from Rally the Troops. Mm. And next turn will mm. most likely seal the deal. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I will go ahead and say that, you know, you guys all nailed it. You looked at the situation, and that's kind of the conclusion I came to as well, was that, like, there's a lot of tempting things I could do here, on different angles that you could go for, but ultimately you got to get that Bjorn out there, stand it up again so you can get as good of a defensive wall as possible. And then let it go from there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that'll do it for what would you do? Number 39. Looking forward to chatting with you all for number 40. Thanks buddy. And sorry for the uh, jumps, quick jumpstart on the mailbag audio there, which is happening now. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. (laughs) Nice one there. All right. So we have a um, short mailbag this week. We've got one user-submitted question from Friend of the Pod, Daily23. And he's got a nice... Down Under. The Thunder from Down Under, who's got a question about the monk. All right. Let me cue this up. Uh, I'm going to try to adjust the volume here, guys. How was that... uh, segment intro was it still super loud it was better. it's a little loud maybe a but touch loud better, but better yeah. it's all right awesome guys here we go uh producing on the fly guys this is what you <laughs> this is what you pay your hard-earned patronage for let's listen <laughs> to daily's question now hey guys just with the um release of the monk i'm just sort of wondering 
how you guys handle uh, sacrificing the Tao Lao or however you pronounce them. Like, you know, I don't really, it's, it's one I'm struggling with. Like, I don't really want to sacrifice them all out, right? Because now they're giving you gold, health, and damage. Um, so just curious what your thoughts are, if you still just get rid of them all anyway, or if you maybe take that slower with the sacrifice. Thanks, that's All right. Great question on the okay. monk here. All right. Now, yeah, it because, happens. Because most of their economy are those tall Lao actions or whatever. Yeah. They give you gold. I, They're not I regular. think there's only like two. Is there only one or two gold? Actually, I think gold there's two the gold. Than those, I think. Yeah, and you can. I think one of the upgrades is you can actually turn another gold into yeah, another so. Talao. I think, but yeah. All right, great question. Now, uh, I'll preface this by saying there's a lot of monk games where it usually doesn't matter. Or I mean, yeah. if, if you are scrapping that much, you're probably doing pretty well <laughs> anyway. Yeah. If this is the question you're asking, you're probably winning the game, probably at least with the, how the monk is configured right now. Uh, I'll say this. I'll go first and just say I don't hesitate to scrap them out, especially if I have better cards in my deck that are doing high damage mm-hmm. and or providing uh, um, some econ to keep my to keep the engine moving. But yeah, I don't think twice about it. Scrap away. Uh, uh, be careful, though. If you don't have other good cards in your deck, you could be setting yourself up. Well, I, I'm of the same mindset. I'll get rid of those pretty quick because they give you a gold. They can give you a damage or a heal for each one. But honestly... I've taken like the upgrade where I draw, I get a card from my draw or discard and it adds like three more actions to it. And so I don't really care. I'm still getting like five damage from my uh, crane kick or whatever it is, or the healing if I go that route. So even if I don't have any other of those actions left in my deck, which has happened a few times that I'll get some scrap and I'll get rid of all of those. And I'm still doing four or five damage on top of that stuff. So, yeah. 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 So the spring blossom is the one that adds the economy. Serene wind is the healing striking Cobra for damage. Would you guys like probably almost never get rid of striking Cobra and slightly more often be willing to get rid of serene wind, but still pretty rare. Like, I feel like there's kind of like a hierarchy. I, I, I almost wins. never get rid of either of those. No. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. Why would I, you? I, I mean, will if, get rid of the, the two, the two gold card if I've got great stuff in my deck, but yeah. the rest of it, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Always leave the healing in there. Always leave the damage. Everything. Else I'm just imagining have. some uh, late game scenario where you're trying to like maximize for damage is like the niche situation where you might it, consider axing the serene way, well, but it, yeah, it, but in that situation, you're you've already won. <laughs> you know, right, like yeah, if yeah. I don't have to worry about the healing and I'm just going like that, like it doesn't matter. And honestly, if you're if that's the last card you have left to scrap, you're probably pretty close to enrage, yeah. anyways. In which case, you're going to want that healing to try to to, yeah. to try to stay alive. But yeah, uh, pretty fringe stuff. And like the cases we're thinking of are very rarely going to happen most of the time just scrap away as i would scrap a spring blossom without much hesitation in most situations yeah probably yeah i I would i would agree with that yeah Yeah, jake i I think you bring up a good point with scrapping just the general philosophy on that right is this card that you're scrapping worse than average in your deck 
Yeah. Right? And yeah. so getting rid of that is your deck better on average, right? So that applies to Monk, but it applies to a whole heck of a lot of other stuff also. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So like, d- don't hesitate to scrap your starter cards. They're awesome early game. I mean, some some of the starter cards are really awesome. They're essential early game, but they, they lose their value as the game goes on mm-hmm. and you saturate your deck with high-value cards. Don't be afraid to scrap them. Even cards like, you know, the Thief Daggers or, or the uh, the 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 belt what's it called not the belt buckle knife but the belt. Uh, yeah the knife belt like even you get to points where you scrap those out as well even though you're used to using using those you know um, don't be afraid not to, to go too far starters. in the weeds with that one but once you've made enough purchases it gets harder and harder to pair up your knives and your yeah. knife belt yeah. it's easier if you're on the shadow mask build but as a frequent boots player I'm even more likely to start scrapping that stuff out because I'm trying to take the game super long and I've made enough purchases and I don't have a way to like force it to line up. So, yeah, Yeah. I I would go so far to say like each class probably only has, I'm sure there's going to be some exceptions, but probably only has one or two starter cards that you do not want to sacrifice. Everything else can probably go, you know, like for the wizard, it'd be the mirror or your wand or right. something that has draw that's not gumming things up. Right. Something that activates more damage or whatever. But most of the other stuff, especially if it's econ or minimal amounts of damage or factioning with stuff that doesn't hit anymore, scrap it away, boys. Yeah. All right. I think that uh, hits that question pretty good. As always, Daily, thanks for your questions. We love listener question, guys. Send them in. Uh, mm-hmm. There's an email in the show notes that we – Check probably biannually, so that's one way to submit questions. Hey, I get I get notifications on that thing, so I check it when I get okay, it. Okay, that's just a joke. You can send them, but I I, I doubt we. Nobody ever emails. emails it. Yeah, uh, most people contact us by uh, Discord. Sometimes we get a few that Facebook works. comments, etc. Send your questions away, guys. We love them. Uh, with that said, let's transition into our next segment, which is going to be an interesting one where we're talking about a little bit about Corey bear's background with his gaming and also how star realms and hero realms kind of intersect in this interstellar Thandarian slash whatever the other world in star realms is called. Let's head into (laughs) the main focus. It's really cool hearing that intro music while we're recording. I just got to say. like it sets the mood. It makes me feel like I'm in the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are, Corey. I have to say we got to meet at Origins this past year. Mm -hmm. And it was was awesome to to be able to chat with you and hang out, man. Um, And so thrilled to have you on the podcast here tonight and be able to chat with you a bit more. Never enough time at these conventions, it feels like, to really uh, mm-hmm. chat with everyone. But one of the things I wanted to know a little bit about was just like, how how long have you been into gaming? And when did you get into Star Realms? And how did that transition into Hero Realms? So can you kind of like take us away a little bit with what that journey has been like for you? Yeah, sure. So, well, so first of all, at Origins, I mean, you were too busy carrying around that trophy to have much time for anything else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> thank well, you, thank and, you. And play, playing those uh, cleric games in the finals, it took like 12 hours. There's that. Yeah. 
Do you remember? You guys were all like, uh, I don't remember who all it was, but everyone was like trying to go out to a meal, and I was doing a practice game against Scrap Force the day before my cleric against his fighter, and like I just had this massive board. You guys are like, what are you doing? Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so thanks for having me on again, guys. This is this is a real treat. So um, my background is different than a lot of the people in the in the realms. Most of the people it feels like you talk to have a big magic influence, right? That that's kind of how they got into into a lot of that. Um, the next magic game that I play will be my first. So, Same here. Uh, <laughs> that's not something that I've done at all. So um, my background to to a great degree is in card games, uh, particularly poker, right? So coming ooh. up through college. Um, and then, you know, through the online boom in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. I've played. Yeah, like when Hold'em was all the rage. and Yeah, and back in stuff, the, the right? Moneymaker days. And when part, I, I've got, uh-huh. a, I still have a whole bunch of party poker gear from, from back in that era, <laughs> back when, you know, before the bots had taken over and all that. So that, you know, that, that helped fund maybe some of my grad school a little bit. So I, <laughs> nice. I've played a lot, a lot, a lot of cards. Um, so I, I don't really have a big gaming background. Um we played a bunch of games with my kids as they were growing up. My son really got into Dominion when he was little, ah. right? So that's sort of like a that's sort of like a gateway deck builder kind of game. Yeah, oh, was like, yeah. yeah. It, was OG, it really yeah. paved the trail. Such a classic game. You can poke at it for whatever you want, but like yeah. it, it blazed the trail, man. I, yeah, it, it it built the the deck building genre, but. I mean, you pull it out yeah. now, and I don't like it near as much. <laughs> and, and so that that was kind of how I got into the the deck building okay. piece of it. And you know, that was a lot of fun, and we had a bunch of different expansions and all that, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. But it was also like, I don't know, th- th- there's part of it where it's a little bit flawed, where it, it it in a lot of ways you're kind of playing. There's a bunch of people playing solitaire at Solo. the same time, yep. right? As opposed to really having interactive. And then it, it's probably in 2016 or something. Um, we had a family get together and my, my sister introduced me to star realms and we played it just the, the card version and like, Oh, this is, this is pretty cool. This is pretty fun. And then she showed me the app and, you know, I was just blown away by the gameplay in the app. And then for star realms, how beautiful the app implementation was, right. Just how Mm -hmm. smooth it was, how well that ran and everything. And so really like got into the app for, for probably a year or so. And, and then it's funny, like, I, I'm pretty sure that there, there's a guy that I don't see anymore in the Star Realms online games, but used to be there all the time, Bug Batteries. He would just mm, kick the mm-hmm. crap out of me time after time <laughs> after time. And I got to the point where I rage quit, deleted the app, and was <laughs> no off it for, like a year, for a year and a half. But was just, wow. was just done with it, right? Um and, you know, went on to go do kind of other things. Right. And then, you know, I've, I got some email or something probably in 2019 that was like, hey, you should go do this and reloaded the app and kind of rekindled the fire with it. Um, and, and so back when I'd been in it previously, I hadn't found the like the Facebook group or any of that stuff. Uh-huh. When I got back into it in 2019, like, you know, this was a lot of fun and I'm going to be a little more methodical and thoughtful about how I approach this. And so then like started looking for some blogs, came across Mega Holland, the Facebook yep. group. And it was really like the Facebook group and the Star Realm side that reeled That's me in. Does it. It, yep. it, that is like for an online community, it is unbelievable how how great that is, right? So many good people, like yep. 
when you think of an on- online community, there is so much just like negativity and trash mm-hmm. and garbage. And that has none of that, right? It's it's a right. bunch of awesome people who who like to have fun playing a game, but it's also so much more than that, right? And so that that mm-hmm. like once I got into that, then I was hooked. And I'm like, all right, I really want to like figure out what the heck I'm doing with this and really dr- drill into it. So, you know, so so since 20. 20- 19 i i shudder to think at how many hours i i've, I've been <laughs> with one of those two apps between star Wars and hero when it's open but uh you know it, it's it's awesome it's a ton of ton of fun I, i'm getting up on thirty thousand games in star realm so Ooh, i've got a way I've got a ways, I've got a ways to go on so, on hero realms to catch up to that i, I want to yeah. interject there with one little thing that i think our listeners should know which is just Corey, I have a feeling, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of tell our listeners about some of the accomplishments that you've made on the Star Realm side, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know you're a humble guy, but like, let let the people know, like, what are some of the things that you have uh, accomplished on the Star Realms besides 30,000 games? Spoiler alert, he's a damn good player, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So, so. One of the highest compliments I got, so on, on the, the Star Realms pod that Rick and Dustin mm-hmm. do, Mega Holland, which is, which is also yep. great. Um, they do a, a really good job on that. Um, a, a couple episodes ago, they basically did an analogy that said, the cat says meow is to hero realms as Core Bear is to Star Realms. And, yeah, I, and yes. I took that as a <laughs> tremendous compliment. <laughs> Totally, man. And I heard that as well. And so that's why I wanted to, you know, kind of have a, a chance to hear about, you know, what yeah. what you've accomplished on the Star Realm side. That, that's a that's a really cool way to evaluate and compare. Uh, I am going to raise a yellow card here, though, Corey. Mentioning other podcast names is forbidden. I'm going to censor all of this out in post-production. No competitors allowed. Just kidding. All the love to uh, Mega Holland, the original. It's a Star Realms podcast. The original uh, Wise Wizards deck building game podcast. Yeah, they were there before. So <laughs> yeah. huge props to them. Um, yeah. yeah, but Corey Bear, continue on. So you're, you're likened to like one of the best players we have in Hero Realms. Why was that said about you? Tell us about some of the things you've done. Tell some of the people you beat and some of the accomplishments you've He beats everybody. Uh, so, so, I mean, so, so one of the main leagues that they've got is the, the Board Game Geek League. I mean, mm-hmm. probably the best analogy on the, on the Hero Realm side is the Thandar Combat League, right? Where you've got yep. kind of different tiers and all that. So, um, and they've got a structure where it's, you know, bronze, silver, gold, platinum. And so winning platinum on that is a, is a big, big deal. Big deal. Um, so I, I've pulled that down a few times. Um, the, the other, the other event in Dodgeball, which is in Star Realms, which is great, is Dodgeball, right? Um, and, and we can take a minute talking about that. I, I saw a few of the faces that I'm seeing here in the draft uh-huh. the other night that they yes. had the Dodgeball season, um, which is just a, a really, really fun event. Um, so I, I pulled down the MVP on that a year or maybe season nine it was that mm-hmm. we did that. So that's been good. And then um, the other one is uh, Darklighter, you know, who runs events on both the Hero Realms and, and Star Realms side. He does. So he's got the HRPC and then he's also got the SRPC. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, the way that he runs that is he's got sort of the the rankings that, that as events go on, you earn points for it and all that. Um 
it's probably been 18 months since somebody else was at the top of the SRPC yeah. list. So I, I've had that one for a little while. Nice. That's crazy. Yeah. That's you are insane. a competitor, yeah. man. And I, I love that. That's awesome. And, and that's and, just consistent, you know, making the cut, making the, the top, you know, the finals or the quarters yeah. or whatever. In and swimming events. with the sharks. Like this isn't, yeah. these aren't and, games against random Q no, noobs. These right? are you're, the you're, yeah. You're swimming with the sharks. So, I know. Uh, I know. I, I played in some of the SRPC stuff and I won one of the events and that was a real feel good moment for me. I've only ever won one of them. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm I nowhere close that, to that number of one. Of the people on this podcast right now, one of us has been a number one overall pick in the dodgeball draft, and it wasn't That's me. That's right. That was me. <laughs> and I had the worst stats that season, too, of anybody. So. It sucks. You went to the pressure. Yeah, big time pressure. This is great stuff, and it's bringing back – you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I – was also, was being that operative word here, a very avid player of Star Realms, especially when it came out in its early mm-hmm. years. I also participated in the BGG League. I think I won, I won one of those BG League, BGG Leagues once. Um, I, I hit over 20,000 games in Star Realms at, at oh, one wow. point. Oh, wow. Um, That's more than yeah, me. I played the I played the crap out of it, but I played it a lot like I play Hero Realms, which is just queuing up a bunch of games and just cycling yeah. through a bunch when I have free time. Just playing the ranked, um, yeah, yeah. One a shout out to one of my good uh, friends in real or a, a real friend in real life who I made through the game Mazer Rackham. Oh, I, I don't yeah. know if he plays Star Realms anymore, but he's a, a real mm-hmm. titan from the old days that I actually met in real life and had some good times with. So. That's really cool. Star Realms, great community. Yeah. And, Amazing and I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate what Corey said. Like I, uh, we all know that, uh, silent Al is a good real life friend of mine. And he's the one that got me playing these games. And he tried to get me to play star realms like more regularly for years. And I was just like, yeah, it's a fun game, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't until I met people in the community and saw how great of a community it was that I really got into it. And I feel like we're building that same thing here with hero realms. It's got that same attitude, that same friendliness and, and just the very, very little of the toxicity that you see in a lot of other online uh, games and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to make a similar point to him is that like what the SR community did kind of really establish a lot of what, HR was able to do not only in like some similar events like and people are trying to make dodgeball work in Hero Realms but it hasn't happened yet but just like you know the vibe of the community it's like chill people who want to have fun and and play this game together and stuff so I really like that about it I was um kind of unless you guys had any other specific Star Realms stuff I was wondering Corey if you could tell us can you bring that into Hero Realms how did you get into Hero Realms what was that like for you you're like grinding 30,000 games of Star Realms, Hero Realms, the app comes out and you decide to try it or what what happened next? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so it it was intriguing absolutely when it came out. Um, And and I don't have like a a paper community that I'm playing with, right? So when the app Mm -hmm. goes live and all that, that was part of it. And, And frankly, part of it was like, you know, the, the, the app comes out and they've got what, like the hundred buck legendary backer, whatever piece of it was. Yeah. And, more than anything, my thought process was I've got so much value out of Star Realms and all that. Like, I owe it to White Wizards to just jump in to do this. <laughs> like, like, the, the, like, 
it's been so positive EV for my life, that whole, that whole thing and yeah. that whole experience. Like even if the game sucks, I'm not going to lose a second of sleep out of chipping <laughs> in an extra hundred bucks for these, you know, for this. And right. they got, got into the game and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun as you guys know. There's that poker background coming through with the EV term, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I look at cost performance too. Like start just going to Star Realms. I think I you what was it like four ninety nine when the first game when the yeah. base game came out? Each expansion is like ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine or whatever. There might be some that are three dollars, yeah. whatever. Like the amount of hours that right. I played that game for the. Just you know, well, a cup of coffee, a few cups of coffee is just ridiculous. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm with Corey Bear. I, I throw money at Wise Wizard games without worrying about it, considering how much entertainment they've given me over the years. Yeah, I yeah. I used to play World of Warcraft kind of hard, and that was like 15 bucks a month. And I would talk about how good a value for the time I spent, and it's like, man, this is way cheaper. Like I, <laughs> I spent a hundred yeah. bucks, I and I've been playing for two years. You yeah. know. But I think one thing a lot of people on both sides, whatever realms game you're playing, it's the community that keeps you coming back. Yeah. So that's really where a lot of the value ends up being from. So, um, yeah. 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 For sure. So, speaking of uh, comparisons a little bit, then is this a good time to get into some of the different things we see? Uh, you know, these interstellar intersections, Corey? What, what do you got for us there? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. I'm presuming that most of the people listening to this are very familiar with Hero Realms and probably dabbled in Star Realms. And, you know, maybe when we when we dropped a few names on the, the dodgeball draft, there maybe a few people on the other side coming in and what that looks like, right? Um, you know, so the biggest thing I'd say, when you look at those two games, clearly, and you just based on the names, I, if you're going to classify it, I'd say they're probably cousins to each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you've played one, like, figuring out the other one is really pretty quick um you know if you're on the the hero realm side and haven't played much star realms it's really most star realms games are like the vanilla hero realms games right where yeah. you don't have the champions and all that uh, you do have a lot more choices in terms of the decks that the you card can use, right so there, there's yeah. a whole bunch of different combinations of decks that you can build and that to me is really a big draw um if you're not that familiar with hero realms but are familiar with Star Realms, I'd say that the, 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 it's probably cousins with with Star Realms, and Hero Realms is probably a sibling of Commanders-based Star Realms. Right. right? Where <laughs> in Commanders, you've got sort of a, a certain style, a unique starting deck, some unique capabilities, and that really is what most of, of Hero Realms looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in my head, I'm a Star Realms player first and that, that still plays a lot of Hero Realms. Like one of the challenges that I have with Hero Realms right now is that I don't feel like the balance is all that great, especially at the high no. levels. Like, yeah. especially for me, somebody who is a cleric and ranger, like those are my two favorite uh-huh. to play. Ooh, it's yeah. bad it, times, it, buddy. It, Tough times for you right now, buddy. <laughs> Tough times. Yes. Well, and you know what? I, I will and, and say. Then, oh, go ahead. No, I'll just say you're totally right. It does feel bad because it is. I mean, even it's, I think the more you know the game, the easier it is to see too. If you're learning the game, there's a lot more flexibility and you're playing with other similarly skilled okay. players that you learn it as you go, right? But once you kind of hit the level where we're at, uh, and the balancing is ongoing, obviously. There's still We're still in beta. They're still balancing a lot, but it's kind of a mess right now, man. And yeah. it, it's tough. Yeah, I feel for you as a ranger cleric, man. Tough, tough times. Yeah. 
probably my my favorite thing about Star Realms is like when you're playing it, especially like some of the big deck versions where you got a whole bunch of the different mm-hmm. sets in, it, is that it, it really rewards players who aren't stuck in a certain play style, right? Uh-huh. Like there are certain games where you've just got to go hard aggro because that's what the road feeds you. And there are certain games where you've just got to push on authority and play in the long game and bases and yep. the champion, you know, the champion equivalent and all that. Um, you know, and you go up against some people that, if the board doesn't fit their play style, they're a little bit stuck. And so I, I think that's probably my, my secret that I'm able to pull off. Right. And that, that's that sometimes I struggle mm-hmm. with that in hero realms, just because with the different, you know, yep. classes, it's forcing you into, into a few more things, especially the higher level you get. Yeah. It's, I totally it, get it's, it. it's a lot harder to pivot when the market isn't supporting the play style for your class in hero realms. Whereas yeah. with star realms, that's, or that if you just can't game. afford anything in the market. If your class right. has low econ right. and you can't afford anything in the market, you're done, right? I'll, I mean, I want to hit you guys happen. with a quick question. This just came to me. What do you guys think is the most adaptable class in Hero Realms with regards to the market? What class is the best at kind of you know giving playing off what wizard the gives wizard because they have the most money? Wizard and thief. Yeah, wizard or thief answer. probably. And that's just because they have too much econ, and that strikes and that talks to the balancing problem. And and, and they're flexible whether they can they can go for a little bit longer game and get more of the you know the health gain and that sort of stuff, or they can go a bit more aggro. They can play those play styles, sure together. Yep. I I'll tell you one thing that Hero Realms has that that Star Realms doesn't have, which is a huge plus, is the undo button. Boy, oh, you, yeah. you, get, you get addicted to that in a hurry. Oh my yeah, gosh! Oh yeah. As someone who's been playing and practicing more and more Star Realms in the app, it you have to the the level of sequencing is on a different level for Star Realms. You yeah. really do have to plan your turnout well, even more meticulously yeah. than you well, do. Well, and, in and it realm. doesn't have the undo button, and then stuff like uh, your ranger draws or or some of those like the play order for your bow and arrows and that sort of stuff that matters absolutely 100%. There's no like training wheels. So it feels like hero realms has with that yeah. play order where it will retroactively do the stuff for you. If you played it earlier. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing I can't miss this opportunity. Another thing that hero realms has that star realms doesn't is Varric. Let's, let's not that's true. That. Hey, uh, and, and while we're here and while we're here and we'll continue the conversation, but uh, this is kind of an interesting point. Corey bear, give me a list of like two or three of your favorite cards from each game. First from maybe uh, star rounds. Yeah. So if you got some faves, mm. Ooh, favorite cards, well, and just so, ones so you gotta, like. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. One, ones that I over. So, so, so one of them that I possibly overvalue, and I had some discussion with Kincaid on this, is Assault Pod in Star Realm, mm-hmm. right? So it's a two-cost, yellow-green, three damage, but if you ally either of those, it draws. It, it is just like, it is an aggro player's dream. Like, it just, mm-hmm. it allies with so much and draws. It is, it is super strong. Lo- love and- that one for Yellow is a more aggro color in Star Realms, yes. I yes. think is worth calling yeah. out. And, and yellow is yellow. more comparable to green for the most part. Yeah. yeah. And Hero yeah, Realms. Blob is also it's pretty got the, Yeah, it's got damage, damage right? and discards and draws is what yeah. yellow tends yeah. to do. 
Nice. Good. Yeah. So Corey, how about hero realms? So what's another card you gravitate towards? You already heard mine. Varric is one of my faves. What's one of your? So one of them, that, and, I, and I think that this limits me as a player because I, I think I buy it when I shouldn't, is Word of Power. Like, yeah. I love all that draw, but it's not that – if you're not allying it, it's not worth yeah. the six that you spend on it, right? I mean, so, so that, that's, a hole, that's a hole in my game right now that I need to fix is that yeah. I, I am irrationally drawn to that card. Yeah, yeah. You, you either need to faction it or you need to have a good enough deck that that draw two really gets you some good stuff. Yes. yes. And hope yeah. you survive long enough to get more Imperial yeah. to faction yeah. with it to activate the healing, yeah. which is where it really, yeah. 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 That's a well, nice and just, it just in general, another hole in my game. So, so in Star Realms, scrap is extremely important. In Hero mm-hmm. Realms, it's important, but less so. And just trying to mm-hmm. unlearn that and not necessarily buy every scrapper when it always shows up on the Hero well, Realm side is something that I'm still uh, working through too. Cause that, that, that's, that, that's a habit that, that, you you can't fall too far behind in scrap in in Star Realms just because those games the cards Especially don't quite have the same power level the games last a little bit longer and so scrap has more time to play out in Hero mm-hmm. Realms there's sometimes where it, it doesn't matter and that that's that, that's a bad habit that Star Realms players need to un, unlearn a yeah. little bit when they come <laughs> over to the Hero Realm side. Nice yeah. tip. Yeah. I, I I love the 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 contrast that I see is they have the same game engine. It's the same basic deck building game, but the curves of the game are very different for each totally one. Different, like you said, yeah. Star Realms will go a little bit longer, and it's all like vanilla. But that you, depending on what the trade row gives you, you you go aggro or you go healing or bases or whatever. And Hero Realms, there's a lot more of a I have this already predefined, like, you know, way I want to play my class and that sort of stuff that, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, the other thing with Hero Realms is it's still really a work in progress. And we're going to have to see where it ends up. I think when things hit level 24 and the different upgrades shake out and hopefully the balancing gets figured out, then we'll really see. I mean, Corey Bear hit the points. Like, it's, it's a different beast, right? We've got the characters. That really shapes the way you go. But the end game with how things balance out and how things work out is going to be interesting to see. I'm also, you know, we talked about this before too, like the length of the game, uh, star realms tends to go a little bit longer. You can see your strategies, you know, kind of take shape a little bit better in hero realms. It can be over super quick. And one thing I'm a little worried about as the levels increase is that it's, 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 it's only going to get, get quicker. quicker. We're going to add hit points surely, but like, the power creep is 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 coming on strong, so it'll be Boy, interesting especially to those see smooth heist goes. games. Some of those feel over on turn yeah. one. Man, totally. Yeah. Or or the bar well, games. The, the bar is even hey, worse. I think if if things go if things go well for the here's bar, the really. thing. Like Star Realms has events. They have the the heroes. They have the gambits and stuff. So so sometimes your opponent gets arc on turn one, and it feels over in Star Realms too. So like it, it, it just feels like it takes a little longer sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, and, so the, the, the last thing that I wanted to say was that the, the, the other thing that the, the Hero Realms community needs to figure out that the Star Realms community has is events based on authority, right? So mm-hmm. like on the Star Realms side, you've got dodgeball and the endurance challenges where like yep. not just winning, 
but how much you win by and all that matters because yeah. of the hero realms like power curve it doesn't work as well and the authority cap confuses that some and all that right it makes that harder but some analog there like if we can figure that out on the hero realm side that's part of how you take the community events to the next level because some of some of the events particularly dodgeball that has sort of the team aspect and the authority piece to it are just phenomenal. And that that's what I'm really looking forward to somebody figuring out in the hero runs world. Yeah. And you like it because of the layer of strategy that it adds, right? Mm-hmm. There's this whole new level of analysis that it right. puts onto the game, right? Well, yeah. well just yeah. like specifically with dodgeball, there's plenty of games where you're like, I can win this game. I, I've got it won, but it doesn't matter if I, if I only win by, you know, five, you know, health difference, I need to win by 30 for a hit or I need to win by 50 for a catch. And depending on who sent the challenge and that sort of stuff, it all matters. And trust me, I've been, I've been racking my brain trying to figure some of this out. And I mean, you could do it if we just played the vanilla game, the no heroes games, like we do for TCL, but like a lot of the hero realms community doesn't like that. Maybe not a lot, but enough people don't like it that like, Yeah, and I'll say that the- Hero Realms has dabbled in it a little bit with mm-hmm. like um, the the Predator uh, tournament mm-hmm. that we had a long time ago. Dabbled in that, and then I know Survivor the cats well. is Survivor. Yeah. yeah, uses some overkill rules, but I think that you use the phrase like getting it right in the sense that like you know let's find a format where that really is the feature of it, and you know. Yeah. Um, showcases yeah. that in a way that brings out those strategic elements is something Wait. that is an exciting possibility. And I know there have been people that have been trying to put the brain power into how do we dodge ball in hero realms? And we just haven't gotten there and, yet. And, and yeah. endurance challenge too. Cause that's a really cool one where like everybody starts with it's you have a hundred health for yourself or whatever. And then if you lose the game, that differential is how much gets subtracted from your health. And then there's some healing. So you can go above that starting health and whatever a little bit, but like that differential is what, and the people that end up at the very end are the ones that have, you know, haven't lost all their health. And then it ta- it can take a while sometimes, but it's a, it's a really interesting uh, league. Yeah. And you know, so the- on the dodgeball side, given that there there's probably some hero realms players that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, would it be worth to talk sixty seconds what those rules are, just so people sure. kind of understand what that what that is? So, so in the Star Realms Dodgeball League, you've got teams of seven players, and it's set up like a just think conceptually like a dodgeball match. Like you start off with a race, right? So there's a game of sort of a neutral format, and whoever wins that has the ball, right? Then, so after the races are complete, you've got some balls on one side and some on the other, and you choose to throw at a player. And so this is where the differential comes in, right? So when you're throwing at a player, um, obviously in dodgeball, you want to hit them and knock them out. And so if you throw at someone and win by a large enough amount, then you hit them, they go onto the bench and you get to keep the ball. If you throw at them and win by just a small amount, you missed. So they're not knocked out. They're still in the game, but you get to keep the ball. If you throw at them and they win by a small amount, we call that a dodge where they take the ball from you, but everybody's still in it. If you throw at them and they win by a large amount, then they caught you and they either get to resurrect someone from their team 
or knock you as the thrower out. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bunch of different outcomes. But where it really gets interesting is as the match progresses, you've got different players left. There's a lot of strategy on who throws at what player and then what formats you use to throw Mm -hmm. at the various players. And so like the, 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 the tavern brawl with the team setup is like a step towards that. But in tavern brawl, um, kind of once the matches are set, everybody go plays, plays their matches and come back, comes back in dodgeball. Kind of every match sort of the yep. whole match is path dependent influences on the other matches. And, it, and it, there's a lot and of so team a lot communication team interaction and team strategy as it goes along, as opposed to playing those individual matches. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you get to know people better and you kind of get that yep. community piece of it, of, of working with the teammates and, and that whole side of it, which is just tons of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The format aspect that you brought up is one of the most intriguing things about dodgeball to me as someone that's a newer Star Realms player, you know, of like, there's so many different combinations and what would you throw at someone and why there's like this idea that a really chaotic format, if you feel like the person you're throwing at is better than you, you might choose to throw a really chaotic format at them because then you've got like a swinger's chance. Um, and then, I like, seen, I know. I feel seen in that dubs. I feel seen. <laughs> I, just to say, I, I, I love the chaotic formats. I don't care if I think I'm better or not. I'm playing with them. So. And, then, and then there's that preference as well. And then I've also heard some people, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but like middle row, I've heard is a little analogous to like cleric mirrors. Is that right? Like, because it can kind of go yeah. long and stuff like that. It, it, it can. I, I, That's what a lot the, of the sharks The, the like. biggest piece I'd, of advice I'd give to anybody playing dodgeball is throw something you're comfortable with, right? Like if you're stu- if it's stuff that you're not familiar with, you're going to make bad so, decisions and the wheels are going to fall off very quickly because there are so many good so, players. So so just to make it clear here with, with, with like the dodgeball, the formats, so it's not just dodgeball, but any Star Realms, they have three core sets. They have expansions for each of these, like five or six expansions for each of these core sets and the Including format events is what in gambits, yeah, right? Events, are those the gambits, more chaos? heroes. Yeah. Those sorts of things. Right. Um, which, which alter the state of the game. So yeah. Events like show up in the deck and like things make things happen, things happen to both yeah. players. Right. Yeah. And gambits are like hidden goals that each player the, has. The, and if they, those hit are them, like your class abilities that you get a scrap to get rid of or use, or it's a yeah. constant, Okay, no, that's yeah, what, missions, you're thinking, what you're thinking, you're thinking of. Missions. Missions, you're thinking missions. Yeah. missions are another one. Missions yeah. are only used in the race. The rest of the time you don't use missions in, in okay. dodgeball. Yeah. But yeah, and so, but like you pick what sets you're going to use when you throw the ball. And if you're getting thrown at, your opponent picks the set so they can pick something that suits them better. Or, or they might think you're worst. unfamiliar with if you happen yeah. to be a dodgeball rookie who just showed up and uh, is, is yeah. in trouble. Do you guys play with heroes as well? The heroes oh, yeah. expansion. Yeah. Oh, those you are can. Cool too, because those are oh, those are like yeah. not, not like the command commanders. Yeah. Yeah, those are like one-off cards that you that sit on a sideboard and like. Yeah, give you, you a you, sack or a scrap or there's, whatever. There's right? like two different sets. One set, like you buy it and it doesn't have any ability until you scrap it. And right. then the other set has one when you buy it and one when you scrap it that it'll do this oh, stuff. Oh, okay. So. I might not even know that second set. Yeah, yeah. That that's from Frontiers, I think. Yeah. So or maybe I got uh, two more questions, one of which uh, segues into our next topic. Do we want to kind of go into that area next? 
So my one question I wanted to get into really quick, um, that's not the segue, is that uh, compared to Star Realms, a lot of the numbers on Hero Realms are higher, like um, like the amount of healing, the amount of damage, and that kind of stuff. And Corey, I was just wondering if you could speak to that. Do you think that it's like, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, and it, it didn't seem to that it that was like a negative in any way to you. What do you think about how the... Hero Realms is kind of balanced with that like number perspective compared to Star Realms. Any any thoughts about it, that? Yeah, I mean, it it, just, it makes for a faster game, right? Where like it, it, Star Realms is set up, it, it, unless you're doing some gambits or some other things that like you're not buying six cost cards on the first time through the deck or any of that. Um, where in Hero Realms you can, I mean, and, and that's it takes some adjustment, but it, it's you know that's just how it is, right? But for a given mm-hmm. amount of cost on a card you're getting more firepower but for the most part it's it's scaled appropriately right like the right. like the, the core deck is is reasonably well balanced in how it plays and so there's that piece of it that's more just getting used to what that looks like yeah it's like your 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 healing has to be better than your damage in order for healing to be a viable counter strategy Essentially. Yeah. And, and it's just in general across the board, you kind of see that, right? Like, so, so there in, in, in star realms, there's the Federation shuttle, right? Which is sort of the healing, the healing class mm-hmm. is two trade and the ally ability is four heal. The, the, the counterpart on the hero realm side is taxation, right? Two trade and six mm-hmm. heal, right? So that just gives you an idea that those are very, yeah. very similar cards and kind of just the power level difference and everything scales up from there. Yeah. For it's sure. just tuned sure. a little differently. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That, so that, speaking- that is a, a side project that I'm working on is um, so my daughter's Ooh. off at college and she's got me. She's doing some projects in R, like the 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 programming language. Yeah. And so like I, I've gotten into that. So I'm trying to do some models around the hero realm, the Star Realms decks first, just sort of modeling out what's the value of a draw, what's the value of damage, and all that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to get to hero realms at this at some point. So maybe I can quantify a little bit of that for you, Dubs. Oh, interesting cool. yeah i'm i'll be very That's curious to see statistician's what dream right there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> statistician's day or throw a little spss and then we're all and then we're ready to go i think on top of that but uh great stuff here now um dubs before we segue into card talk do you have uh, a, a final uh thought or yeah. question here to, to wrap it up the last thing that um, Star Realms has more of than Hero Realms at this point with the release is that we see a lot more cards in the market deck in Star Realms that self-sacrifice or self-scrap. And, um, you know, obviously that's going to be what our next segment is. That's not absent in Hero Realms, but it is something we want to cover a little bit. Um, what, what are your thoughts on self-scrapping cards in Star Realms? So, so that that's when when you're moving from a beginner player to an intermediate player in Star Realms is when you realize how valuable that scrapping ability is, yep. especially scrapping for coins, right? That that like, oh, this this ram is an awfully nice card. I don't really want to scrap oh, it, yeah. right? And then when the light clicks on that, oh no, doing that to buy a you know a big heavy duty command ship or something else yep. is absolutely worth it. Like that that training yourself that that's the right play is is definitely part of it. And that's, you know, especially when you get into the higher power cards, both in hero realms and star realms, like that's where some of the really interesting decisions come into. Like when, when do I, when do I scrap that, that firebomb or that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. Federation battleship? 
Yeah. Yeah. Or word of power I, even. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that I kind of my perspective on it a little bit is it feels like there's more texture to those decisions in star realms than there is in hero realms right now, because I feel like in hero realms, the scrap is often just like damage. Whereas like in, um, in star realms, you can see some more interesting effects on that scrap. So, yeah, I um, I love the, the scrapping for econ cards are really, really fun. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And that I like how Corey put it there. It's, the difference between a beginner and an intermediate is often figuring out when to scrap what you have and, and, and when to, uh, I think in economics, they say you got to spend money to make money. Right. And sometimes you got to burn something you have to upgrade it to something better. Uh, and sometimes subtracting is actually helping your deck as well. If you're declogging mm -hmm. your deck as well, that's another thing that they do. So, um, this is a great segue guys. If, if you're all good, let's, um, Buckle up our seatbelts and get ready to kick it into passing gear as we head in to card talk. This is my boomstick. Uh, it's been a while since we've had the old boomstick audio. Good to hear oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, let's kick off this boomstick with um, talking about self-sacrificing cards in Hero Realms. All right? We're just going to look at them and just have a discussion, a free-flowing discussion. Um, now, we've got two groups of these cards here. Um, they're kind of arbitrary. Well, kind of not, but one group is character cards or cards that start in the starting decks of the characters. And then we're going to also look at market cards. All right. Now, both of these are interesting. Um, let's start with the character cards because I think it's a, it's a slightly smaller discussion and it really talks to some of the strategies for the specific characters. Then we can look at like the really big uh, game changing cards that happen that you happen to find in the market. All right, guys, so let's talk about the character cards. Now, um, just to list off some of them, like some of my favorite ones, obviously, I'll start with the wizard, right? The uh, silver skull amulet, which I, mm -hmm. you know, so masterfully <laughs> we wove into my uh, rhyme at the beginning of the episode, um, <laughs> is really like one of the best cards in the game, in my opinion. And it really unlocks how you uh, open games with the wizard, all right? And the silver skull amulet, for those of you who don't know, it's a two. Uh, it, or it's a, it's a it's an item that gives you two econ, and you can scrap it to draw a card. All right, and sometimes the scrap to draw it can be overlooked, especially by you know uh, mm -hmm. beginner players or, or less experienced players. And the reason is because that draw lets you do things like shape your deck or shape your shuffle or uh, mm -hmm. figure out ways to reach for an extra econ to buy something off the market. Like there's different ways that in different times that you can use that sacrifice ability, especially early game that can really change the trajectory of things. And we're going to talk about this actually as well, shaping your decks and reshuffles and other stuff later in the, in the, in the episode. But um, this is just one example of a really strong self-sacrificing card that in my opinion might be one of the best like starting cards in the game. Um, that's how I'm going to kick off this conversation, guys. Let's maybe we can just go and talk about some of our favorite self-sacrificing cards and how they connect to the different characters. Uh, who wants to go first? Corey Bear, what do you got? 
Sh- ship in a bottle. That that's <laughs> right? Yeah. While, while we're on Wizard, right? So so feed that econ and then put some monster on your deck right right off the bat. I mean that that thing's gross. It's too strong, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I think having both of those is where it makes a wizard too strong. Yeah. If it was yeah. one or the other, on it would be draw. fine. Yeah. 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 Or the Silver Skull draws you econ to fuel you to buy something better with a ship in a bottle. Like, they, right. it just right. really is super synergistic between the so two. So good. Yeah. For sure. Coincidentally, I think ship probably needs to be nerfed. And if I was going to nerf it, I might just change it to bottom decking. Rather than top decking, yeah. change it to a bottom deck. If you shape your cards right early game, it still acts as a top deck. If you don't have a draw deck, right. you can still top deck it, right? right? But it makes it a little – it brings down the power level a little bit. The other thing yeah, you can do is just make it, make it one econ. Maybe make it one econ. Yeah, and yeah. yeah it's just too yeah. damn good, guys. Way too good. It's fun, though. Um, I, what are some I other good give, self-sacrifices? I, I, I love the Jagged Spear. <laughs> well, yeah, of, course of course you do <laughs> well well i mean to me like the silver skull amulet is really iconic for the wizard that's the iconic card for the for the fighter like it's super aggro gives you four damage and then the scrap to deal four damage to an opponent or to a, a direct damage champion. direct yeah. damage to opponent. yeah they would bypass guards and stuff and so like just that reach on it is really cool um i mean it's probably one of the reasons that fighter is even still like remotely viable at this yeah, point. It's so. an eight damage card. You don't yeah. see it, especially for a starting card. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I want to highlight a little bit of what jagged spear compared to the wizard cards do. And I think it kind of like illustrates what self-sacrificing cards can do for you in general, which is that like some of them, you can self-sacrifice them to propel you to an early advantage. But then uh-huh. others, you sacrifice them as a finishing blow. Yeah. Let's as we kind of like get through and analyze more of these. Let's see if there's any more use cases. But that's like what jumps out to me well, is that like mm-hmm. you you're either using it to get ahead or to close out. Let's let's find and out it, if there's any more. And, and that may be kind of the main ways. But another way is like if you're kind of stuck here, you're in a game where like your opponent has this. I don't know. Uh, a non-guard champion out that you like a I'm I'm thinking like Brolin or something that you don't want him to keep out, but you don't have the actual damage to do it. That that reach to to take that out can be really valuable for some games too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like a desperation measure, basically uh-huh. to uh, to well, right. And, okay, and, yeah, and, and that's okay, great. So so here's a good card that also plays on that. That's another very iconic starter card with the self self sacrifices, the blackjack. Mm-hmm. Pairs great with your sh- uh, your uh, shadow mask, shadow mask, and all of that stuff. But like you 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 uh, you expend a champion, so it lets you get that reach and makes it so your opponent wouldn't get like the the main ability on that card their next turn. Yeah, or you use it to bypass the guard and go for the kill. It, right. it can be used in so, that so, situation. So yeah, absolutely. But but like so, also ju- just that idea that it, it can be used as a closer, but it can also be used mid game if you need to really not let them take advantage of having that champion out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and that utility and flexibility, as we've seen with other cards, like the more skill you have in the game, the more you're going to be able to leverage flexible cards to your advantage. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's good. But that kind of brings up to me like a third category of self-sacrifice is like desperation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Like if you have a desperation <laughs> play. Um, Corey, did you have anything you wanted to get in with? So, I, so I've got a, a fourth category for you. Just get it the heck out of the way. Right. I mean, there, yeah. there's some, yeah. some of these that aren't that strong. I don't want that crap in my deck anymore. So like I'm going to play it once, burn it, and then I don't have to draw it. Don't have to waste any more draws on it the rest of the game. What are some yep. examples, Corey? Which one that you think is good from this list? Uh, uh, Goblet of Whimsy, maybe. Goblet of Whimsy is a good one. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, the, the, the alchemy really, powder. Like, if any card, there's a lot of those that have draws, and those I'm less worried about getting out of my deck right away. But some of those that right. don't have draws that are going to slow down your deck, those are the ones where it's like, even if I'm not, even if there's not in a champion to expand, like maybe it's worth getting rid of it just so it's not slowing you down. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good. While we're here, can we take a moment to pour out a 40 ouncer for the Imperial Sailor who's um, <laughs> who was nerfed in a, in a relatively recent patch and given his self-sacrifice? So it used to be this Imperial Sailor could punch the market. You could, choo- you, you could choose a card in the market and just sack it, and a yep. new market card would appear, which is really strong because it doesn't exist very much in the game. Unfortunately, he got nerfed to a self-sacrificing ability where you sacrifice it once and you can sacrifice any number of cards in the row and then draw a card, which it's a powerful thing, but it's a one-off. Yeah, Yeah. it's Uh a one-off and then it's gone. It's so Um, disappointing because you had this play style that was a potential and now you have like this much, you can't like anchor your play style around imperial sailor now well, and, and as somebody who likes to play cleric like the 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 the, the champion uh-huh. with the trade like if you can get that behind some guards and keep it out there like you need that to have a chance right and, and like, you, so, so that you one really you, you want really, really hate to you hate to self-scrap that one just because cleric so desperately needs trade and another thing with the cleric being you know one of the weakest classes as it is right now like that ability to control the market row and not let your opponent get the stuff that they really want can be really huge. Yeah. And or can to give you a, or another little leg sacrifice up. to you know, right. get stuff that you need. But you know, right. it's good that it's good that they nerfed it because the cleric was definitely starting to get a little too powerful there. So <laughs> oh, it's geez. really good. It's really good that they nerfed it. Um, yeah. Sorry. I can't. You, you know me. I, I don't know why Wise Wizard is so afraid of that row punch stuff in Hero Realms because I, I. Well, really they left it. They, it's just a one off now. It's just yeah. Way, yeah. It's just way yeah. Worse. It's just way um, worse. I, I want to give another shout out to the the brittle gas from the uh, Alchemist, which is kind of uh, it, it's actually a card that I choose over one yes. of the other upgrades, and it's, it's mini fireball. Let's it's a mini go. fireball. Some games you never even need it. Some games just having it will discourage your opponent from you know going too heavily mm-hmm. into the champions, which makes it super powerful. But brittle gas is a great self-sacrificer. Just so think- people who don't know, it's it's a draw one. So you get draw from it, which has various uses, obviously. But the self-sacrifice is it reduces all champions to one guard. So you can have you know Arcus, you know the other big dogs out, and if you brittle gas them they all go to one health and then you can just lay waste to them it's it's incredible it's a great card and i wanted to shout out that it combos with another self-sacrificing card the bottled tempest which is one combat and draw one 
sacrifice it, deal one damage to each opposing champion. So you have a one-two punch there where you can clear someone's row um, easily with those two cards. So yeah, never choose the Battle Tempest one. though. That's that's a bad choice if you're choosing the Battle Tempest. You always yeah. want to choose. I think the other one is the the Crucible. The, the Crucible, which lets you sacrifice cards from your... Honestly... You, you look I'll, at your next card and sacrifice it or draw it, which is... I'll throw this out there, though. Like, Alchemist has fewer cards that I want to scrap out. Like, Crucible misses so much that I don't actually hate mm. Bottled Tempest always. You don't want to sacrifice your um, things that can take on Stones. any faction you want. Yeah, mm. you like, I don't know. For me, the... I, I do pick Crucible in most cases, but I have run builds and played games with Alchemist where I'm on Bottled Tempest plus Brittle Gas, and it hasn't felt terrible. It, it well, all depends on what you're. If well, you get double sack ability, it, it's it's stronger, I think. But if you yeah. if you're if you're going extra hit points instead of the sacrifice ability, the second one, uh, yeah, you got to go for the yeah. Crucible, in my opinion. But yeah. anyway, um, all right, guys. Any before we move on to the market cards, because I think that's where the really interesting discussion is. Are there any final shout outs or, or cards you want to call out for the character self-sacrificers? Yeah, I had a real quick hit list I wanted to go through. Do it. Entangling Roots. Awesome. Love mm-hmm. that card. Draw mm-hmm. one, expend target champion. Sacrifice it. Draw one, expend target champion. A druid draw card. two, baby. Let's go. Yeah. I know. Great. I druid. just had to tell people it was a druid card because probably most people don't play druid right now. So it's good to just, <laughs> it's a it's a good reminder that it's yeah. a druid card. Yeah. When when druid was good, entangling roots was a huge part of what was <laughs> fueling it. Yeah. Uh, and then I also wanted to shout out the um, goblet of whimsy. Um, when you and this is something I know I've seen Filterphobe talk about. I haven't pulled it off myself. But Goblet of Whimsy is a bard card. It's two gold or four combat, and you sacrifice it, and you gain the other effect. Um, Ritualist Farkir out of Dungeons is already a super strong bard card, and it has a really nice interaction with Goblet of Whimsy. So Mm -hmm. just wanted to call that out there. Yeah, that's a good one. And there's a bard has other cards that sacrifice as well. In fact, the... um summoning drum i think is another one so and if you can get if you can scrap a card use the goblet and your summoning drum that's three sacks right there and farkir is already up to like four gold and then if you stand him again he's giving you eight gold and then he's at like right. eight hit points or ten hit points or something and then it's like oh, okay i guess the scene is over ah, uh, yes. uh, that's happened to me versus filter up as well uh, so yep. it, it's it's not fun but yeah good ones um, all right, guys, can we move on to the markets? Let's do the markets here. Um, there are, of course, a ton of really strong self-sacrificing market cards. Um, Corey Bear, why don't you go first? What, what are a couple of your favorites and why? Uh, I mean, so obviously you got some of the big bubbas. I mean, so so one of them is Nature's Bounty, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that one's so good, right? Er, early game, you get that. You get the econ boost, and then once you've got your econ going or you've got the other stuff, it, it gets out of the way um, yep. with some damage punch to it. So, like, for four cost, that one is is so good. And then if we're on green, treasure hunt, oh, my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. six trade that you can get from that, that's, mm. that's insane. That's so strong. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good call out. I want to go back to Nature's Bounty. You talked about, like, having – holes in your game earlier i feel like for me and maybe you guys can agree or 
think that this is a, a, a trap that you've evolved beyond, but I am hard pressed to scrap that out of my deck. Even when I know I probably should be just because it's so much econ that, um, I usually want to keep it to like buy more big stuff. But I think that there's definitely a point in the game where you want to be scrapping that one out and whether or not you can faction it reliably, uh, factors a lot right. into that decision yeah, for me, but yeah. and I the just feel like you're going to discard, you keep it. If you're going to discard, yeah. you want to keep it. Otherwise though. Yeah. I usually get maybe two, I probably average like two uses out of it in most games yeah. before I scrap it. Um, Depending on how early you get it. Yeah, it depends. Totally depends. It's also a card that I will buy later game just for the four damage. Sure. Uh, Especially if I have some green in my deck. That's a great point. And you know what? This is a good point. And I know we're going to talk about the bombs and other interesting cards, but let's talk about Fire Gem for a second because Fire Gem has self-sacrifice on it and it's often overlooked as a source of damage when you need it. There are some situations where it can actually behoove you to load up your discard pile with a bunch of uh, fire gems if, if you're really close to knocking out your opponent and you've got a few draws left and you need to load, saturate mm-hmm. your deck with damage, fire gem can come in handy sometimes. I'm not saying it's always a great idea. In fact, it's usually not, but it can be. And the yeah. three damage you get from sacking those fire gems shouldn't be overlooked. So that's another card. Uh, I I've, mean, it's not a very sexy uh, one. but Especially handy. with your, your class skill that costs gold, like you want to hold on to the economy a little longer sometimes in hero realms than you would like in star realms. Um, Cause late game in star realms, you, you don't really want to have most of that stuff unless you got like top decking cards and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. but like in hero realms, you can always use your two cost skill to, you know, with a fire gem. Yeah. But it, it seems like those are some of the hardest decisions, right? Minstrel's Melody, Crime Speed, Firebomb, some of those really just amazing cards. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, really painful to scrap those, right? Well, I don't know. Minstrel's Melody, I would argue, isn't. Because usually, if you do it, you're going to win the game that turn. And yeah. often, like, if you have three or four <laughs> That's the only time you want to sacrifice it. Yeah, yeah and you, uh, you, you pop it and don't look back. If you can get an extra, like, 15 damage out of out of a turn from popping it, you just do it and don't look back, especially if you're, if you're winning. But, yeah, some of the other ones, Crime Spree. Uh, uh, Last Embrace is another one, too, which you can, the Necros card that you can sacrifice to put a champion from your discard on top of your yeah. deck. It does nine damage, so you don't really want to sack that card. However, if it can help you put a Torg or whatever on top of your deck and then you can draw and finish off your port yeah. and your opponent, that's that's one way to, to use it. Yeah. I wanted um, to bring things back to the Fire Gem discussion a little bit. I actually find myself buying those in vanilla a little bit more. A couple of things uh-huh. you can do with them in vanilla that's cool is that they are a reliable source of damage if your opponent is going champions. And in our current like meta <laughs> in Realms Rising, those cheap champions are a bit at a premium because people like grabbing those because the base deck doesn't really have any damage. So if your opponent's buying those, you need a way to handle them and get them off the board. So buying some fire gems is to your advantage. And another thing you can do with them is you load up on fire gems in deck one. On deck two, you make some big purchases and then rinse all your fire gems out. And then on deck three, you've, you're have just drawing into you know whatever gas you bought on deck two. So that's um, yeah. kind of a cool way that fire gems can impact the vanilla version of the game. I also wanted to say, like, as we're looking at this set of cards, which, um, you know, we can 
post this on the Discord after the episode comes out so people can kind of see it all together here. It's pretty clear to me. I want to walk back my statement a little bit that, like, Wise Wizards didn't include a lot of variety on the sacrifice abilities because we saw that a lot on the character classes. But in the market deck, in dungeons, it looks like they were a lot more willing to put unique effects on sacrifice abilities. Whereas like Mm -hmm. the core game, the base game, you know, I can see why they wouldn't want to get too exotic with the scrap abilities. But there are some really interesting things here. Jig, you brought up Last Embrace, and that is one. Man, I love when Last Embrace goes off. You can do some really cool stuff with that card. Yeah, or, or Soul Transfer. It's even better because it's only cost two. Soul Transfer yeah. is a two-cost Necros card that gives you two Econ, two damage, and you can self-sacrifice to put a champion from your discard on top of your deck. Mm-hmm. I'd argue it's one of the best two-cost cards in the game. It's not the best, but it's one of the best. For all the stuff you get from that, it's ridiculous. And... The tricky thing about Soul Transfer is that it's so good, you often don't want to burn it, even if you have a good uh, champion target in your uh, discard pile. Yeah. But usually, if you have a good target in your discard pile, it's worth it to do it. Yep. Uh, because bringing a character or bringing a strong champion to the top of your deck, especially if you can draw it or set up a good next turn, is super powerful, especially early game, if you can do it early game, even though you might not want to burn it right away it can really help you jump out to a big lead. So soul transfer so, is one is a super powerful card. The, 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 the two like non bomb self-sacrifice cards that I really love in this list of, of the market cards are explore and arcane explosives. Hmm. Um, and they do kind of some, I mean, somewhat similar stuff or whatever. I mean, arcane explosives, is a bunch of damage. I love the aggro card, but then you can, sacrifice it to get drawn some damage it's just a super aggro card i love it but explore is a really i mean you said soul transfer was a great two cost card so is explore it gives you a gold gives you two damage and then you cycle a card and then you can sacrifice it out when when your deck once you've built that good deck yeah and the damage made it's three damage so it's not a slacker there but like it's also like okay, I'm I'm past the point where I need to be doing a lot of this. I'm going to get rid of that and let all my good stuff do their job. Or I'll if I really need to take out a champion, I'll burn it yep. early, even if I don't want to. I'll burn it if if it give it puts me over the just like with a fire gem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good. So, ones. so the other one I want to ask about is wolf form. Mm, Why yeah. we had to get there, yeah, card, right. I mean, because that that's that's often a tough decision. That can one be. of the toughest. Yeah, I mean, so typically I don't burn it unless at my that extra discard, discard is really going to cripple my opponent. Like if yeah. I'm at three discards already, I might just burn it just to make or, it feel really bad. Uh, <laughs> or if it's if or, it's if I'm going to win in a turn or two, I'll, I'll burn it. Or, or if it's if I'm about to go back into a shuffle towards end game, and there's a good chance I might not see it anyway. I might burn it just to give that extra discard, but usually the, the other time I would use it would be like, if you know, your opponent's likely to have the five gold to get like deception or command or something. And it's like, Great. you know what? Yeah. I'm going to keep them away from getting mm-hmm. that card and give me the chance to get it instead. I will burn it early in those situations. Excellent or like example. we, we had the discussion when it's like a thief mirror and they have the, the uh, stuff that lets you steal a card. So that's another one where it's like I'm going to use it before 
So you can't steal it. Yeah. yeah. And those are two examples of like advanced level play, right? One right. is calculating what are the odds my opponent's going to be able to buy this nasty card in the row. Yeah. And if I burn this, I'm going to deny them that. And yeah. it might seem counterintuitive, but that can really change a game. Uh, yeah. And then so, yeah, so keeping, one other time when that comes in handy is, is situations where your, your opponent has exactly five cards in their hands. So you know exactly what they've got. Yep. And one of those is a draw. So you know that they're going to be cycling their deck that next turn uh-huh. and sometimes forcing that extra discard where it f- makes them discard yep. it. So they're going to be drawing into it, their next deck, as opposed to doing anything with it. That, that, that always hurts so and, bad when you've got to do that. Right. Which just forces that you- extra card. Can you say that out a little bit more? I didn't and so, totally say you follow. make them, you make them discard a card. They have five cards in their in their hand. That's they're going to be two of, two of which are golds. So you know they're yeah. going to discard a gold, right? But yeah. they're but discarding gold a gold, and then they're going to draw on their turn, which means they have a chance of drawing that gold they just discarded, right? Basically, they're dis- they're putting junk into their discard, and then they're going to reshuffle yeah. and. Yeah. and they're making oh. the shuffle worse. You, even if yeah. they don't draw that turn, the fact that it's in that shuffle weakens yes. their deck. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, so, so the, the the simple example. So so your your opponent has five cards left in their hand, right? So they're going to draw all five of those cards before they for their next turn. Four golds in a deception, right? For each. Di- if you didn't make them discard any, right? They'd play the deception, but then all four of those goals would miss that next shuffle. Right. Yep. If you can start to make them discard a couple of those into that next hand, yep. that's not only weakening what they can buy before they shuffle. Right. Because ideally, use those four gold, buy something, then play the deception to have that yeah. that four gold transfer. It's a double whammy. Hand. Yeah. It's a double whammy, you, isn't you, it? Corey? You miss out that's on a, spending it ahead of time. Plus, yep. that's another card in that next deck that they've got to draw into. I, I love what you outlined there. That's awesome. That's great yeah. stuff. And, and this is this is awesome because it's also going to connect into a little bit about like calculating reshuffles and your chances of drawing stuff. And I think this is going to be. I, I love that Corey chose this topic to talk about. It talks. About, I think it brings about the the poker player in him a little bit, calculating <laughs> odds and, and what you need, trying to get, trying to okay. search for that card you really want, and calculating the odds for it. And any card that can either give you an advantage by doing an early reshuffle and freezing out a bunch of gold from your next deck is great. Or like he just mentioned where you can force your opponent to dirty up their own next shuffle uh, mm-hmm. before they do it is those are really good things that you have to look out for and pounce on when you get the chance sometimes. And, and these are good cards to do it. And wolf card is one of those cards for sure. Yeah. Um, what else we got here, guys? We've got, I mean, there's a few we haven't mentioned. I mean, firebomb is a big one, of course, bouncing that burning that, uh, yeah. five damage for, for a kill or to take something out can be, can be big sometimes, but yeah. Word careful. of power is one where the, the self-sacrifice where sometimes sort of like you were talking about with explore where like you got to take out that champion or, or whatever there or get them under that armor threshold. Cause that's really important or whatever. Like that's one of those where it kind of hurts to get rid of that card, but that five damage will be really versatile sometimes. So it's not just for the kill shot. Sometimes you'll use it for that stuff. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to give a shout out to Demonic Rage as being some sacrifice that itself can be sacrificed out. It's one of yeah. those like get out of the way, like you did your job yeah. <laughs> and now I need to be drawing the good yeah. stuff. So you can go ahead one, and go One away. gold and sacrifice a card. 
And you then, know, like, like, like yeah. that's great early. You don't want that later, but then get rid of it and you get two damage out of it. That's yeah, nice. You almost never want to keep it unless you really need Necros factioning for some reason. Right. Yeah. Pester is another one. So just like uh, mm-hmm. cards, like ac- economy generating cards that you can sacrifice out once you've transitioned to that phase of the game where the economy is less important. Um, but looking at this, I do wish that we saw more uh, scrapping for economy in Hero Realms because that is such a cool effect. We've seen how good it is on Treasure Hunt. Arcane Explosives has that to an extent because you can draw off you draw. Of it. Anything that's a draw effect. You know, mm-hmm. it like simulates uh, economy. It's not yeah. guaranteed. That's why the amulet yeah. is so damn good. Yeah. Oh, Awaken the Dead is one. Uh, we should we should talk about Awaken the Dead a little bit, right? Though, guys, uh, like that's one that uh, you scrap out pretty quick, right? That's I one that you that... don't buy in the first place. You should. Yeah, <laughs> you don't buy in the first place, and then when you do and you scrap it, you feel like a dumbass for paying yeah. gold for an extra draw. But... That, that card's been a bit of a roller coaster for me. I looked at it. I thought you know, it would be our, so good, and it was like Tyranor, and then not... it was bad. And now I feel like now that I'm like properly evaluating it, or like at least evaluating it better, the times when I do purchase it, it performs better for me. It's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, I'm not buying it in those times where it's not as good. So it's, right. it's playing better. It's got its own. place. I like it more. Yeah, you you realize it's not very good, and you treat it as such. That's why. That's why it's. That's why you're doing better with it. Hilarious. Um, all right, guys. Uh, uh, any final thoughts on the self sacrifices before we move on to HR 101 here? I think we're good. All right, guys. Here we go. Let's head in, and this is we're going to kind of connect this discussion because we're going to be talking next about calculating odds, reshuffling, and the timing for doing all these and how they're kind of all interconnected together. So let's head in to HR 101. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Okay, uh, another... uh, Trusted old audio soundbite that we haven't heard in a while. Um, calculating draw combinations, when to flip your deck, when to shuffle, when to force a reshuffle, and how that coincides with buying things for the market and how all of these things are kind of interconnected together. This is uh, one of the topics that Corey Bear suggested for this episode, and it's a freaking great one, guys. It's because it's actually pretty high level strategy when we're talking when we're talking about a hero realms play. Um, Corey Bear, why don't you kick things off? Like, why did you a Why did you want to talk about this? And b What are some cool points that you that you have that you have in mind for us? So, part part of the reason I want to bring this up is that this is one of the areas between Star Realms and Hero Realms that has a ton of overlap, right? J- yeah. Just in yeah. how you manage that deck because the game engine is similar, the number of cards, and and how buying from the trader works and all that, that, that it's very, very applicable to both. Right. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is that like, that's really at high level play, managing your shuffles and all that becomes really, really a big differentiator b- between, you know, being a good player and being a great player. Um, you know, yeah. and, and so, you know, do, the, the philosophy that I have on that ju- just in general is that you want to play, your bad cards as few times as possible, right? I mean, you want to do it like 
move them around, whatever it is, get as many of those on the bottom of your deck as possible and manipulate your deck to, to avoid that where you can. Right. And then there's some other things that we can talk about too, around, around odds and all that, but just philosophically speaking, you know, managing your deck and your shuffles is a key, key part of high level play. Totally agree. And in in fact, uh, let me just bounce off of it. Uh, he, He mentioned a key point here, playing, your bad cards as little as possible, right? That's a great way to put it. And one of the ways, one of the best ways to do that in this game is freezing them out of your shuffles, right? Is by creating your next deck that's not going to have them in it. And uh, this is one of the things that the wizard really excels at and why the wizard's so damn good. The ranger does it really well yep. too, even though the, the ranger is struggling right now. But this is really a key point of the game is shaping your shuffles. Especially early game, it makes a huge difference. And, well, it, it, late, I mean, all all stages of the game, it does. But and 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 it's a skill that, like like Corey was saying, that it it you your average player isn't going to be real great at this skill. This is what really makes a, a high level player a high level player is that they understand these sorts of things and they pay attention to. Oh, if I play these cards, I'm going to flip my deck. Well, sometimes, you know, like uh, Elven Gift is one of those cards that like, man, when I got my decks all square and it's in my last hand, I'm not going to do the cycle with it if I've got a handful of good cards. But if I've got it full of gold, heck yeah, we'll flip that deck and and keep those gold out of a shuffle. You know, that that sort of thing is what really can make the the difference between a good player and a really good competitive player. So I wanted to throw um, something out there on that subject of kind of like playing your bad cards as few times of, as possible. That also uh, resonated with me. And you also brought up that idea of like having a square deck where you um, may not want to trigger a shuffle because you're going to have some cards miss it, right? Uh, what about this scenario that can happen too, though, is that you have five cards left in your deck and they're all starter cards, you may want to choose to force a draw to happen so that those four starter cards all effectively miss a shuffle. And I feel like we can talk about, you know, keeping cards out of a shuffle and forcing a shuffle. um, And that's a little easier to see. But what I just described, can be one that's easy to miss too. So by drawing that fifth card, you've made it so that those four starters, they're going to be played one fewer time. So I think that's a huge thing. Right, um, you're freezing. You're freezing them out of the shuffle in the future. You're you're doing it like a step ahead of time. Right, it's, it's the same concept. It's just happening. A little, it's a delayed response. But yeah, keeping an eye point. out and, for and, how you can do that is huge. And then there's the really the bad feeling of when you draw all your best cards at the bottom of your deck, and say one of them's firebomb, and there's five cards, and you got or firebomb domination, word of power, all there is the last three cards in your deck, and then you flip your deck, and they all miss the shuffle. That just it's the worst, and we've all hurts. been there. And then like sometimes you even think like, man, I don't want to play this, but then if you don't play it, it's basically yeah. the same thing because you've missed a chance to play your good card, right? right. Uh, yeah, it's the worst. Bottom decking domination is one of my favorite things to do, boys. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, but that, that's part of the power of draw of cards that either draw or cycle it, it, is that having that ability in your deck gives you not just does it make your deck go faster, but the ability to control when you shuffle is a really, really important piece of having those cards in your deck. And, totally. and, and, and that's. And, and, 
and that point is one of the reasons why I really didn't like the the retroactive changes with like the 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 bows and arrows and some of those things that they did where like it just basically you play them and it forces it. Whereas you before, might want to sequence that in a way yeah, that the you order didn't. that you played it in would matter, and that was one of the things that could really differentiate a top level player from a you know a medium level player. Totally. So when now you, you have to just like not play your bow and miss out right. on some of that damage. You know, you can still which is one thing. It's still control, result, right? But. Not being able to play something is n- it's a nice consolation because then it, you can at least choose right. not to 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 you know. But still. Yeah, it sucks. We, it's we so nice like to have that game. control. That the more choice yeah. we have about when things happen or when things don't happen gives you, you know, yeah. more control, which is what we love to do at when we're playing, you know, advanced levels of the game. But we should uh, call that yeah. out as like an advanced technique, though, is that you can literally go into the menu and end your turn early in case people don't know. Because there's been people in the Discord that we've mentioned that to, and they're like. You can do that. So yeah, you can go into the the hamburger button, the menu button, and hit end turn without playing your cards. And sometimes you'll have to do that. It will be the correct decision to do that. It's the best Absol- decision. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I want to connect this. Just to, I want to bring Monk into this because, and I talked about Monk a little bit at last episode. But the drawing two uh, towels from your discard gives you such great control and lets you shape your uh your shuffles so well and lets you set up future turns it's so much fun even though it's not as powerful as the other one that uh the other build of the monk i mean um this type of control that we're talking about shaping your shaping your shuffles and thinking about how your interactions work setting up future turns uh, is really Mm -hmm. where the game gets a lot of fun uh, it, it can it can make your brain break too sometimes, but uh, that that's that's where a lot of the fun comes in, I think. Um, all right, now double dubs. So go ahead. You know, you said you had another foundation point here to to get to kind of kick off the so, discussion. What do you got? Yeah, we had this idea of like how you want to shape your shuffle and how that's important. And I wanted to call out uh, Darklighter's article on shuffling mm-hmm. on RealmsRising.com. I'm trying to pull up the exact title of it. We will Scroll link of, it in the show no. notes. Um, what was that? No, I was thinking something else. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, wow, I totally cannot find it. Anyways, so the, the reshuffle a strategy guide. Look for that on realmsrising.com if you want to know and to dig more into this concept and absolutely ask questions on the Discord because he, um, he he wrote the same thing for stuff. Star Realms too. Yeah, he basically um, like edit he he hero realmsified it. Um, <laughs> so what one one important nuance on that when you're thinking through that is the difference between cards that. And this is probably more of a Star Realms thing than the Hero Realms thing, but cards that draw and then discard versus yeah. cards that discard and then draw, right? Especially yeah. when you're into the deck, that distinction is very important. Do you want to go on about why it's important? Yeah, well, I mean, so if you've got a choice, right? Let, let's say that the next action, e- either sort of cycle manipulates your deck. If you do the draw first, right, you're forcing that shuffle so that then when you discard something, it's in your next discard. It's not getting it's not getting brought into the deck, right? If you discard first and then draw, whatever you're discarding is going right back into that shuffle. You may get that same card right back, but regardless, <laughs> it's in that deck. So there's one more card in there for you to deal with, right? Just, just like he was talking about with Wolf first, Form. 
if you've got draws first and then cycling, you want to draw, force that shuffle, and then throw discards then into the next discard, yep. not this deck's discard. Because then yep. you're playing your bad cards less often. Less. <laughs> I love that. And, so, and, and, and when that happens, you're playing your good cards more often. <laughs> Which is the real side of the coin we want to be yeah. on. Um, so speaking of flipping coins and taking risks in the game, that's another element of this conversation that we wanted to get into. And I had just kind of like a heuristic that I learned uh, from Decat a while back. And I don't take this as a direct quote from him. You can ask him. Maybe he'll say it's a little different. So I don't want to be misquoting him. But this is what I got out of it. Basically, in the game, you want to try to be aggressive. I think, and like that means not necessarily aggressive of dealing damage, but you want to be aggressive with the choices that you're making, making choices that are going to put you ahead. And so, like, Uh if you have a 50% shot of something working, go for it. (laughs) That is like the baseline heuristic. If you have a 50% shot that cracking your silver skull amulet is going to draw you an econ, and that that econ is going to get you a firebomb and you're going to dominate the game from there, do it. Now, uh, <laughs> your mileage may vary, but over time, you know, w- will that work for you or not? But here's the other key of that that you want to do is that, like, from that point, that's like if you're in a neutral game, the more you are winning the game, the more risk averse you might want to be. And the more you are losing the game, the more aggressive with yes. those risks you mm-hmm. want to be. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like the the baseline of how I look at risk in Hero Realms. If it's a neutral game state, 50%, I'm flipping the coin. If I'm winning, I'm going to be a little more conservative. And depending on how bad I'm losing, the harder I'm going to roll those dice. Yeah. What do you guys think? If, if you're behind, you have to play to your outs, you know, with a poker you have to go there. you have to swing so, defenses. yeah and so you got to take those big risks because that's the only way you're going to have a chance to win and like you said when you're ahead you're going to be less likely to want to do that because you're winning why do you want to change things I'll also so, say so it's too, all in reading the game state and if you're like hey i'm ahead i can i can kind of coast on this and do it and just make decisions so that my opponent can't take advantage of those. Don't make mistakes when you're ahead and don't take unnecessary risks. But when all things yeah. are equal, I, I, I will say this. In my opinion, it's better to be proactive and make uh-huh. your opponent react to what you're doing rather than be reacting to what your opponent is doing. And this is a little yes. bit, there's some overlap with what Double Dubs is saying. There's also other points, and I've said this before too. Like if I have a choice between aggressively taking a line that I want to take versus reacting to something my opponent just did, I tend to go with the former rather than the latter. Now there's point deciding when and to do that right, and not to do right. that. It's obviously the crucial decision point, it, but uh, yeah. being aggressive and like really setting the tone, making you're your controlling think about the game doing. state yeah. by doing to that. me, that's, that's another important thing to think yeah. about. And, and so Tim, you mentioned something else there um, that, that, that spoke to my poker brain, right? Talking about outs, Right. Yeah. I mean, and so for people that don't know what that is. Right. So so outs are are, you know, of a sample, the subset of that sample that you need to get the outcome that you want. Right. So like if in poker you've got six, seven, nine, ten, your outs are the eights. Right. And, right. and so th- there are certainly analogies in in the hero realms world where, you know, you're about to you're about to shuffle 
you know, in and you've got draw into one more card and you need a certain amount of damage, or you've got a couple cards to hit the ally ability that you definitely de- right. desperately need or something along those lines, right? And so that that sort of outs way of thinking and thinking about what is the probability that I hit one of my outs? And if I buy that card, what does that do to my probability of hitting those outs? That, that, that's a really yep. important way of thinking about the tactics. Mm-hmm. Well said. This is great stuff, man. Um, all right. What else do we have to talk about? Because I, I think we've hit some good points, but there's got to be some other things we're talking about here, and, too. And, so, so and, one of, I, I, Tim, go ahead. I bet I got one more when you're done. Yeah, I was just going to say, I just really want to, and I'm just making the connection right now, but like Chris was talking about what Decat said and Matt here saying, you know, like he'd rather be aggressive in the play style and take some of those risks, you know, most of the time, not always, but maybe that's a mindset that some of the better players have is that by controlling that game state, by, by controlling the pace of the game and with your decisions and everything is something that the better players want to do rather than react to their opponent. Because when you can make those decisions, you're in control and you make your opponent have to, react whereas vice versa if you're the one reacting that's a you're losing the initiative there and that's a that's a big thing in a game so i just wanted to point that out that i thought that was yeah i actually wanted to piggyback off that too like why is being the proactive player effective it's because you have to do one thing correctly if you are the reactive player you have to do like all sorts of different things correctly uh-huh. in order to stop them from beating you you know if you're if you're being the one pushing the advantage then you're the one like in the driver's seat there's one objective that you have to do but if you're trying to like counter your opponent's strategy and turn the corner against them it, it just gets uh, a Play lot more to complicated win. Yeah. Don't play not to lose. Right. Yeah, that's a good Corey, one. What, Corey, what, what do you got? I know you've got a good point. Uh, so the, the other thing I was going to say is, so now that, that buying cards to the bottom of the deck is more a thing mm-hmm. in, in some of the expansions, um, that feels really good, but but yeah. those make it harder to do some of that deck manipulation that you're running mm-hmm. to, right? Or at a minimum, you need to take into account what that does to your deck yes. and the number of cards in your deck and what your shuffle might look like. Because in most cases, you're guaranteeing that like that's going to miss a shuffle, right? So you're getting it sooner, but you're maybe not getting the same impact from that card that you thought you might. Because when it goes on to the bottom of the deck, it's really exposed to if you've got other draws in there or something else that forces a draw and it's missing the next deck, then you're losing some of the benefit of that card. It's well, a, it's a so, double-edged sword, though, because you can actually shape your shuffle. You can actually, if you, let's say, for example, you have four cards on your draw deck, which means you're going to shuffle next turn, right? If you can buy a card to the bottom of your deck, to square it up to five. Now you've got one more turn where you can add some more stuff to your, or do other things to your shuffle before you flip it. Like I totally yeah. agree with what you're saying there, Corey, but it's a, it helps you sometimes too. Being yeah, no, if, That's if you've I, got some good cards there, if you've got a spark and an elven curse and a couple of starters and putting a fourth, another card on the bottom of your deck means that those don't miss a shuffle. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. If you've already got four starters there, though, and you're going to buy something that puts in there that means all four of those starters now That's yeah. true. get included like, in the yeah. next shuffle, you want to be a lot more careful about putting that fifth card on the bottom of the deck. There's yeah. sometimes well, when you buy it and you don't want it to go to the bottom. You want it to go into your deck. You know, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, so a really good card that I think about when we're talking about this is Smuggle, where you can put up to two cards to the bottom of your deck. So sometimes when you're playing that, 
you're only going to want to pick one for these reasons. Because if it would put you at five cards and you got a bunch of starters or whatever, you only put one instead of the two or vice versa. You do the, you know, in reverse where you're like, okay, I want to keep those cards. So I need to do this. But that's something you should be mindful of with all these bottom decking cards for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. a double-edged sword. Yeah. They're awesome though. I love that they're in the game. Like it, and in my opinion, it usually makes the the card more valuable. It's, but there's on, definitely situations where it doesn't. Honestly, that's probably the best thing they did with dungeons is the mm, bottom yeah. decking mechanic, I would say. It and adds I mean, a lot, they... another layer of complexity and a way that you can manipulate and control how the game goes. And, and it messes really with like the valuations that. of the cards, too, which is yes. always fun. Like, it changes things. Yeah, cool. Keep them going. Any other points we have here? On I think we haven't talked a lot about, like, calculating odds as well. And it, it, Corey, as a, as a poker aficionado, <laughs> you're always thinking about the percentages, especially when you're thinking about your chances of hitting something or if you're, if you're going for an out, if you're reaching for or something. What are your odds of doing this? And this can be translated into both star realms and hero realms. Corey, do you have any like just general thoughts or advice or credos you go by in terms of like calculating risk or I, I draws guess, or whatever? I, 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 so probably the way that it comes into play the most often is on triggering ally abilities, right? So if you've got a certain number of cards in your deck and you need to match up a certain number of those cards, right? If you haven't done the math or aren't familiar with like the hypergeometric calculator and what that looks like, and just, you know, if I've got two cards out of six and I need to match the two, what are the odds of that happening, right? If I buy one more card, you know, my probability of those of hitting an ally ability goes from 66% to 47%, right? If it's not one of those, right? If it's one of those ally abilities, then you know, if it's a six card deck, then I add one to it. Now I'm guaranteed to hit one of those at some point. Right. And just yeah. the, the, doing the math on some of those combinations, sometimes it's not very intuitive. Right. And, and especially like it feels like, well, God, there's seven cards there and I've got two of them. They should match. Well, more than half the time you're going to you're going to miss one of those. Right. And, and like the, be ready to be disappointed. <laughs> if you haven't oh, yeah. thought about that, it's really easy to get frustrated by that and just mm -hmm. understanding the math and the implications of your buys on what that means, especially because in both hero realms and star realms, the ally abilities are such an important part of it. Right. And so understanding like, what does this deck mean? Mm -hmm. What does this purchase mean for my, for my ability to hit those ally abilities, which is absolutely key part of the game. Like if, if you don't understand that and what those buys mean for the chances of those at hitting, you're missing something. Nice. Great stuff. Cool, man. Um, I think we've so almost what, one more thing about that. Like, the, the, just the 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 kind of the flip side of that is the way that those numbers compound when you hit more and more of them, right? So if you've got yeah. a couple of yellow cards in your deck and you add one, two, three more, like your probability of hitting that stuff, you know, it it goes through the roof that it's almost certain that you're going to hit every time. And so, like, that's the flip side of it, where like there's so much power in having a whole bunch of one faction in the deck, particularly when it's blue, right? I mean, that's that's just where it absolutely <laughs> snowballs because those ally abilities are so strong, right? And so that there's there's both both sides of that coin, but just understanding the math behind that's crucially important. Corey, just wait until you start playing more um, Alchemist and Bard where you can oh, yeah. really <laughs> mess with the, the factioning or, yeah. or, I mean, just straight up faction it for free at, at, at will. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff, yeah. 
I love um, that Bard song improvement that they made, that the Bard songs now have the faction yeah. that they are involved with. It could turn out to be too powerful. We've heard some rumblings of, like, really the rumblings are about, like, not your opponent gets a big champion early and you can't interact with it at all. But, um, so we'll see where Bard ends up going. But, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, well, Bard got a lot of buffs all at once, which is a, a, always a bad idea, but... Uh, without going down that rabbit hole, are there any final thoughts for our uh, primitive screwheads here, guys, before we uh, wrap up <laughs> HR 101? Uh, hypergeometric calculator was mentioned briefly. It's out there. You can search it up or I can link you one. Let me know. But be careful with it because it's easy to screw up and not use right. <laughs> <laughs> like there be can be things it. you didn't quite account for in the decks. You didn't realize yeah. like if a card draws, should it count? Or like maybe if you draw these two cards, yep. then it doesn't matter. Like, you know, they, yep. it, it's not perfect, but it can get you in the ballpark and it gets you thinking about these things in another way. So it's it's a cool tool, but it, it's not everything. And, yeah. and if you have questions, the the Realms Rising Discord is a great place to discuss all of this in depth, more so yeah. than we can do on a podcast. Drop it in the strats. And we will include a link for a hyper a geometric calculator in, in the show notes for sure for those of you who are uh, still um, hyper geometric virgins out there um <laughs> all right guys i think we hit all of our points let's saddle up and head into the community roundup Okay, this is a, this is one of the audios that I should slowly um, fade out over time. I just realized. Uh, <laughs> great, great sound though. I could jam to that all day. All right, guys, here we are. Community roundup. We're getting towards the end. That we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, or it's another train racing towards us. One of the two. Either way, it's going to be over quickly. Um, let's jump in and talk about some of the uh, recent community events that are happening. I'm going to kick things off with King of the Castle or Kings of the Castles as it were, uh, because there's two castles at the moment. Um, right now, in uh, Castle A, we have King Rucksack defending against Omsk. And Rucksack is on a tear, guys. He is currently at seven wins. He's within sniffing distance of Noodle Tupe's uh, longest reign record of ten. He's currently fighting Omsk, and he has Meowgan up next. Um, without making any comments, he could, he could still be... Uh, he, he could be really threatening Noodle Tupi's record here. So hopefully um, <laughs> Omsk and Meowkin can step up and dethrone him. Um, in Castle B, we have King Filtrophobe in his uh, third defense of the castle. Right now he's fighting our own Cory Bear 88. And Cory Bear hopefully has uh, some plans in store to unseat uh, the other Thunder from Down Under, uh, Filtrophobe. Um, as always, this is an ongoing event that's open to everyone. Uh, the links you can find both in the show notes and in our events page on Discord and other places. Please feel free to sign up. The competition is pretty tough. Like these are good players playing it. Uh, so if you're if you but if you want to test your metal against some of the the sharks, definitely give it a, give uh, Kings of the Castles a try. 
Uh, that's it for me, guys, for Community Roundup. Double Dubs, you got any uh, events to, to well, uh, summarize for us? Yeah, absolutely. Got some stuff I want to get into. I want to see if Corey wanted to talk at all about how his match is going so far. Have you guys gotten into it yet? Or No, we're, no? we're still pretty early. It's game one, so uh, okay. not too okay. much. But it, 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 it was another early smooth heist to get a bunch of trades, so I'm pretty sure I'm losing game one. or I, I'm behind oh. at least in game one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, you're up against a thief, and you're playing? I, I'm, I started with the ranger, so we'll see okay. how that goes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, old old uh, habits die hard. <laughs> right. Like, and then and then I'm gonna send him the cleric. <laughs> no, good, man. Get those losses out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um so I I don't think we have a ton of results. I do want to shout out um Warden Slayer, who's been hard at it with his fighter events. Um that is working on coming to its conclusion i think uh he's working on making some cuts to the invitational for like the next round of it so be fight on club we're talking about right yeah fight club yep um be keeping an eye out for how that one's going the maximum wait overdrive. a second go ahead i thought we didn't talk about fight club uh, Only during community well i didn't roundup. say it yeah like jake said it, but. <laughs> only during community okay, roundup. okay. sorry oh, okay okay stupid joke um, i'm sorry uh, maximum overdrive finals of myself against Kaka, and looking forward to seeing how that one turns out. We haven't gotten the games rolling yet, uh, Wait, but hoping did, to. Did you say Kaka? Yeah, their username is CCAA, and yeah, uh, I've always know, pronounced it CCAA in my head, not Kaka. They have they switched to a bird profile picture and have oh, embraced may, the Kaka maybe it is. pronunciation. Okay, okay. double C double A. <laughs> Double C double A. I'm I'm done with that. Um, and then we've got the king of some random hill, which is going on right now. I'm in the finals of that as well, awaiting the winner of Noodle and Evo FX. Um, that one has been a fun fun tournament. I played that one on stream, uh, just that like format last week and. I just love some of the crazy combinations that come out of like starter cards. There's some really like novel interactions that oh, can yeah. pop up when you're rolling the dice like that. So. That's using the random start Lewis yep. script. Yeah, that's yep. cool. Totally. Um, so that's kind of like where some events are at. The Thandar Combat League is in the second to last week. Uh, a lot of tight races across all the divisions. So there will be some exciting results to announce there soon. But then we've also got a bunch of signups going on. Um, so I wanted to call out those events. First, we have um, quickfire tournaments. I have rebooted those. The first quickfire tournament, uh, we're looking for two more signups. So hopefully by the time this is out, uh, that'll be fired off. I did modify how those are going to work. Rather than having two separate quickfire tournaments going on, one for the retail version of the game and one for the production version or the the beta version of the game. Um, it's just everybody all in one pot and you know, let, let's go for it and see what happens. So any feedback on that from the crew, by the way, you guys think that's a good idea? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it keeps it simple idea. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Piffle 
did the King of the Shire Small Folk Tournament that is there to be signed up for. You're going to need to have three Small Folk to sign up for that one, but it should be really fun. It's a super fun class, and it kind of is at risk of getting smushed in some of its other matchups, so having them face off against each other should be some really fun gameplay that happens there. You still have time to level up your characters. I think that one is looking to fire off in November or so. Check out the Discord for more details. Meowgan uh, created a no G's tournament, meaning none of the OG classes are allowed. So you'll have to play Alchemist, Barbarian, Bard, Druid, Monk, or Necromancer. So that one should be fun. And uh, wow, I have to tell you guys, my DMs have been getting blown up with pitches for tournaments uh none of these are for sure none of these are official these are all things that people have been thinking about doing we've got some potential for ancestry fight club a tag team tournament Mm -hmm. uh a level 14 league similar to thandar combat league but at max level and might have even had someone drop me a dm about a star realms hero realms crossover tournament so look out things are happening out there if uh you're looking to get involved with any of this i know all these people could use some support in running these events and feedback and stuff like that so uh Chime in, get involved, and uh, let us know what sort of stuff you want to see. We're definitely going to have to be like spacing these out a little bit because we don't want to have them all boom on top of each other. We want there to be room to have it all sign up for. So that's kind of where things are looking in the community. Not a lot of results to report, but we've got things to sign up for, and we've got some interesting stuff cooking on the stove. Good stuff, man. You go. um, Timmy, you have anything to add for community roundup? Nope. (laughs) Let's wrap it up there. Lots of exciting stuff goes on. And just when you think we couldn't get any more events, oh, no, our community (laughs) comes up with some really good ideas to bring up some more to life. And there's a lot of fun stuff. There's literally something for everybody in there. All sorts of play style, all sorts of levels, lots of things to look into. Definitely check it out. Uh, And by the way, if you're unsure, like if you're new to the Discord, if you're new to the community events, just ask a question. Hey, what's a good thing for me to start out? This is what I'm thinking about doing. People are really friendly, really uh, helpful. They will point you in the right direction to help you get started. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask. All right, everybody. We are heading into the final stretch. Coming up next, we are going to hit taps and scraps. Here's another one I'm slowly going to fade out, hopefully, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Here we are, boys and, and girls, into the tap it or scrap it section of the show. We're almost done. Let's open things up. Now, Dubs made the uh, suggestion that we should do scraps first and then taps. So how about we each go through and we each give a scrap, and then we can each give a tap, and then, and then we'll get out of here. How about that? Uh, I'll start out first, guys. I just got back from Helsinki, Finland. I was there for six days. In those six days, I had to change hotels and passenger ships three times. So I checked into three hotels in six days. Oh, wow. That's my scrap, guys. Checking into <laughs> traveling and checking into hotels, packing and unpacking and moving sucks. I love traveling. I love going to new places. Airplanes, 
and checking in and packing I can do without. That's my scrap. First world problems, I know, but um, that's that's my scrap for the for the week. Uh, Double dubs. How about you? What's your scrap, dude? I am gonna scrap back pain all right (laughs) and back problems all right we got mama scrap force dealing with it shout out to you mama scrap force and scrap force we love you uh but myself personally i had back surgery in my early 30s but dealing with it ever since um it's pretty good for me but i'll occasionally have a flare-up last week i was tossing my young son in the air much to his great delight giggling all over the place next morning i woke up and it was like brutal for four days man so i'm I'm like just on the upswing of it dubs i've been sitting with a heating pad on my back for the past week and a half so i feel your pain my friend i had the heating pad on too man i'm I'm, I'm old yeah i'm i'm old man that that, that stinks too back pain it's just so debilitating right you just don't feel like you can do anything right it's the worst. Back and neck pain really are probably yep. the two. And I know they're connected, but uh, two, just the worst. Uh, the, uh, I'm just Corey laughing Bear, because go. your back and your neck are connected as well as the pain. Literally. Literally <laughs> connected by your spine. Sorry. By the spine bone. It's good. Uh, your backbone's connected to your neck bone, <laughs> by the spine bone, or something like that. Okay. Uh, Corey Bear, let's go to you. What, what are you scrapping this week? I, I'm, I'm going to scrap, despite the fact that I live in Texas and the Rangers are in the World Series, which is fun, I'm going to scrap this year's baseball playoffs. As, as a lifelong Dodgers fan, the, the flame out Ooh. was extraordinarily painful after a 100, 100 win season. So this, this mm. one can just go away. Oh, I feel go. for you, man. It, nothing like coming up to this stage in in the, the season and then flaming out. You know, it's uh, as a Detroit Tigers fan, I, I've been there, buddy. But we usually get to the World Series and and then we crap out there. So it could, it, I guess, it could be worse. I feel for you, Corey Bear. Um, Timmy, what what about you? What are you scrapping? I know oh, you commiserated I'm, with the back pain, but yeah, I'm going to be super negative here because I'm going to scrap the way Wise Wizard balances hero realms. Oh, okay. Buckle up. And the fa- and the, and the fact that they want to balance over the overall stats instead of actually balancing the classes when played well by high le- high level players against each other. That's yeah. my scrap. Yeah, we've commiserated. It is what it is. Uh, whatever. But that's my scrap for the week. Here's here's the silver lining, Tim. And I'll say, like, even no, if they I, do it the way they're doing it, eventually. All the players are going to figure out, you know, the if they stick with the game, they're going to figure out how to play it, and then their data will also show wise wizards how to balance it. So hopefully, yeah. it's just a delayed reaction. But my point is the same thing: follow the good players who know how to play the game, because that's how the game is going to evolve anyway. Nip it at the bud now, and let's balance it how we can, guys. Yeah, I'm with you, Timmy. Um, all right, guys. Before th- this could go into a long tap or scrap, but if we're not careful, let's let's tap a little bit. Let's See, now we got to lighten the mood. We got to bring it up a little bit. We didn't want to end the podcast on that, right? You got to. No, I don't know. No, we don't. Okay. So um, <laughs> now I got to think of something positive to tap on. Uh, so I, I said, I just get, I got, I just got back from Finland. Uh, I will tap the the good country of Finland uh, for their warm hospitality, their awesome saunas, and the fact that they are the happiest people in the world. Uh, according to some sort of index that's done. Now, you may not know this if you've ever met a Finnish person. They're pretty stoic. 
they're not exactly very emotional or you know charismatic. No offense to uh, User Cafe and any other Finns out there, but they're happy. They're content with life. You know, they they don't take things for granted. Uh, they're they have really good education. They have uh, a pretty good um, good sized middle class of people that all kind of live within the same economic zone. Life is good in Finland, guys, and that is my tap of the week to the happy Finns out there. Uh, we'll one. keep the order going here. Um, Double Dubs, what's your tap of the week? My tap is board game inserts. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically oh. like when you have a board game, it's the part that all the pieces and components go into. And there's actually a huge market or like niche After or however market. you want to describe it of like custom inserts. And so mm-hmm. I actually got my hands on a couple of these recently. And so what I was able to do is I have Carcassonne and I bought this wooden like little component thing. You have to assemble it together. And now all my expansions of Carcassonne fit in my main Carcassonne box. And it looks like I got rid of a whole bunch of board games and my spouse, you know, uh, none the wiser about all of it. And that means that, that means there's more room on your shelves for new board for more games. games. Exactly. Which you can I also put inserts clients, into to further yeah. consolidate the, the space, yeah. the footprint that they take up. Nice. And only joking about keeping things from your spouse. We, you know, we have a healthy communication <laughs> about it's what I'm spending on board games. It's a legit way to live sometimes, man. Just going to say. But yeah, so I picked up a couple board game inserts and another new game that has like a really quality insert. So it just it really changes the experience of like the components being neatly laid out and the the setup and the teardown process and, and stuff. So if you're into board gaming and you didn't know or haven't checked out custom game inserts, uh, give it a look for your favorite board game. You yeah. might, might, might find something cool out there. Because the ones it. that come with games are pretty bad sometimes. Usually, exactly. or they don't even they don't even bother. Yeah, and just blinging out your board games in general is awesome. Don't stop just because you buy it. buy some cool yeah. stuff to add onto it. Good stuff. You mean I can um, buy right. metal coins and acrylic tokens? I mean, and and little meeples and pe- and f- whatever you know, feeples and and meeples. Corey Bear, what's your tap of the week? So, so my tap, I'm going to stick with the, the Star Realms, Hero Realms crossover and just give a tap to everybody who runs events in either of those communities, right? I mean, that, that adds so much to both of these games. So, you know, on the Star Realms side, Rick and Ian and everybody who does the BGG League and, and, and all that, and on the Hero Realms side, several of you gents and everybody else, like those events make it so much better. You know, you're playing against good competition. It's cool setups. It makes it more fun. You've got more banter with it. It just, it adds so much to it and it's everybody just doing this labor of love, but it's, it's awesome. And it makes, Mm -hmm. it makes the whole much more than the sum of the parts. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Awesome stuff. Timmy, take us out with your tap. What do you got? Taylor Swift. (laughs) Nice. Timmy's tap and Taylor Swift. That's right, baby. (laughs) Not Travis Kelsey, me. No. Um, <laughs> I went and saw the Eras Tour movie with the wife and kids. They actually they went and saw it in Chicago when it was here. And I didn't get to go because I had to work and I was really bummed. And uh, man, it, I love Taylor Swift. That's all I got to say. Nice. Great music. Good stuff. All right. A huge tap to Taylor. Um, all right, guys. Uh, another successful run of Sparks and Rack episode 42 is complete. It's in the bag. We did it in video. We did it live. 
We did it with a few technical um, and audio mishaps, but you know that's that's the beauty of life as well. Right? The beautiful mistakes. Uh, thanks for being here and making mistakes with me. You guys are the best. Really love it. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners out there. We're, we're going strong. We're, you know, the game it has uh, Hero Realms Digital has its balancing issues at the moment. It, there's kind of a staleness that's permeating certain aspects of the game. We all get it. Stick through it. It's going to get better. We have each other. We have the community and, events, and we're going to test this stuff. I, and I it. will, I will say, even though that was my scrap, I know that like with with journeys and ancestries and all this stuff coming out, like the balance doesn't have to be perfect. I just wish that their focus on the balance was different. So that that's my point on that. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. This is great. Keep, keep up the good work. I'll keep listening. I I'm still going to have a hard time adjusting to hearing it at 1.25 versus 1.0 speed on the audio. So that's going to make my head. <laughs> oh, right you're one of those it. guys. You listen to it fast. My wife does that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I can't de- I'll deal it. with it. The, the sad thing is, Corey, even when you listen to it on fast, it still takes you over two hours to get through an episode. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> what can we do? It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, all right, well, everyone. Let's yeah. <laughs> step all over Tim there. No, go ahead, man. Uh, I want to say thanks to everybody for who listens. Thank you, Corey, for coming on the podcast. It was a real pleasure to meet you in person at Origins, and it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast tonight. Yeah, plus one on what Tim said there. Definitely some awesome insights you were able to give, and just really fun to have you on and, and get to know you even more. So open invitation to come back anytime hope uh more folks chime in and and let us know if if you got something you want to talk about and hang out on the pod uh reach out and we'll we'll work with you that that would be awesome um if you are looking for more hero realms content be sure to check out my stream twitch.tv slash double dubs 8 30 p.m central on wednesdays so long everyone keep those wraps coming (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. That should have been the tab. Is the wraps, man? Uh, let, let me just say one thing here, and I hate to. And then double dubs, you take us off after this. But uh, so you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I do practice this a little bit. Uh, so I was walking <laughs> oh. around the. I was walking around the house, uh, rapping this this last one, which by the way was taken from We Can Get Down Tribal Called Quest originally. And my wife stops and look at looks at me you know with half half amused half disgusted and she says what what are you doing like what is your goal here what do you look all the time matt what what's the purpose of this and i just said you wouldn't understand and i just kept rapping and and, no i i did tell her and it, it didn't. It didn't change the look on her face after I told her. I'll tell her that much. But uh, I'm glad you enjoy it, Corey Bear. And it, just that word alone guarantees you guys are going to get at least another five or six rhymes over the next over the next. Nice, month. nice. nice. Well, Jig, right, I love those. that you're keeping it fresh. And you know, I just want everyone to stay fresh. Cheese bags. Peace out. show congratulations you're a nerd tune into the next episode of sparks and recreation for more on community events meta analysis and everything hero realms